0: Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Goddamn Ghoul Squad podcast, your favorite uh, ill-advised, uninformed, never-on-time horror movie podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Eric Hoff, and with me, as always, is Keegan Presleck. Hello, Eric. Eric. How are you doing, Doc? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm hanging in there. You're happy to be recording. I think you asked me like a month ago to record. I saw the last time we posted one was May 3rd. Yep. It was a little, bit, a little while ago. Yeah. So we m- we're going in- on two months. We might have missed a month or two and a half. Uh, that's how we fucking do it yeah absolutely hello everybody out there in ghoul squad land i'm gonna do mine anyway my name is keegan preslack this is eric hoff yes and uh you're listening to a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere get together hopefully once a month at this rate two times and talk horror movies horror things and about uh life and each other and uh the morals and trials and tribulations of society not exactly but yeah not really no but uh, hello Eric. I think the biggest question we're wondering is: is there titties? E dog is. Yeah. So hello everybody out there. Sorry it took us so long. This episode, Eric, what are we doing? Why, why? Why are we here? Uh, we're just gonna talk about what we've been watching. Uh, I guess just to get an episode out. Yeah. And, so uh, and if we did a topic, it would go too long. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, Eric came up with the idea to do top uh five. Yes. Okay. Top five camp slashers. But then he sort of reneged on that. And now he's saying top five woods slashers. Uh, so you tell me, Eric, what's our next episode going to be? Uh, I want to call it Camp Slashers. Sure. And Are you I'm, concerned people might think that we're saying camp, like campy, like fun? Like in the woods. Right. Is what I mean. Yeah. And I'm going to define a Camp Slasher how I want to define a Camp Slasher. Sure. Uh, as Keegan just pointed out, he's saying, I guess, in the woods and the camp are different. Sure. Uh, but no, to me, they're all just camp. Like Cabin in the Woods is not at a summer camp. But it's in the woods. Okay. One or more people, uh, in a mask or not, identity known or unknown. Okay. Stalking kids in a wooden area while the kids participate in camp-like activities. Okay. I like it. Uh, fucking swimming or fucking playing volleyball. Yeah. And of course, fucking. Yeah. The number one thing. To me, that's a camp slasher. But before we get to all that, well, actually, actually... Next episode. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's our next episode. Uh, and that's mostly because of me, because I've been slacking. Uh, and we will... But what, what are we doing this episode again? I already forgot. Just what, what the oh, fuck we've been watching. Right. There's been some new uh, theatrical releases that we're going to talk about. We have like three or four theatrical releases, and which is crazy. Just uh, just stuff we've been personally watching. Yeah. What sucks is like it's been so long since we've recorded that I have shit on my list that I... I I fucking don't remember. Yeah. Like specifics about it. So I'm going to start with the most recent shit that I've seen and work okay. my way backwards. And so when I get towards the end, it'll just be like, yeah, I saw this movie. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, there's a bunch of shit that I saw a million years ago. Like, for instance, we're going to talk Brightburn. Yes. Brightburn was quite a while ago. But let's Memorial do Memorial Day weekend. Yes. Let's do a life update first. Uh, Eric, how's it been in the last two months? Uh, <laughs> uh, nothing new, <laughs> right? Uh, just a lot of work. I had some time off, though, within these last uh, couple of months. And you uh, watched a lot of shit, right? I watched a fair amount of stuff, not just horror. Right. Um, So that was great. It's always great to have some time off. Uh, what about you, Doc? Yeah, so obviously this is the part of the podcast where I announce my uh, life event. Right. Okay. So uh, it's been a little bit since we have recorded, and I've been just really busy. And that was because... I'm just kidding. Uh, I got a, new, got a job. Yeah, I got a new job. So I left the hotel business, and mm-hmm. uh, which was a great job, and I loved uh, working there. It was a great time. Now Andrew's never going to get his shit back at this rate. Yeah. Now I'm <laughs> not working with him. Exactly. Well, and he hates me. So right. he's probably going to bang down my door and uh, ask for it back uh, while we're recording this podcast. Shout out to yeah. Andrew, uh, my guy. Uh, and thanks for your podcast equipment, and I still love you, Andrew. Yes. Yeah, so no, I got a new job. So uh, Eric, ask me what my new job is. What is your new job? So I work in the oil field. Yay! Okay. So uh, I work in the oil field for... Keegan's going to have a big truck soon. Yeah, I'm going to have a big truck, and I'm going to be a lease operator for SWD, which is salt water disposal. He's already got two phones. Yeah, I had so, to play him that Kevin Gates song. Yes, I got two phones. Yes <laughs> yeah, so uh anyways, it's very exciting for me because it's uh it's a big up you know big up and pay uh benefits, all that stuff, so it's a it's a big deal, so i'm gonna be working in the oil field uh at the same company that my brother works for, uh so shout out to Ben, and uh, I'm just really pumped to uh would you say Ben helped you get the job yeah, uh no, I don't know about that. was um, he a reference. I don't think I put him as a reference. No, no. I mean no. somebody put two and two together, right? Preslak? Yeah, I think somebody knows that I'm related to Ben Preslak, right? Okay. But anyways, yeah, no. So I'm really, I'm just really pumped uh, to get this new job. So I, I've been there for two weeks now, and I don't know a lot yet. But uh, anyways, part the reason I'm explaining this is I've been rather busy, right? Uh, not just these last two weeks, but also trying to get the job, getting an interview, all these things. So that's why we haven't been recording. Yeah, and then. I don't put any effort in to try to get us to record. Yeah, but, you know, to Eric's credit, he asked me several times, now, are we going to record? I'm like, fuck, my, I'm busy. My, uh, like a few weeks ago, my mom was like, when are you guys going to record? She was like, so, did you guys quit that podcast? So that's how long it's fucking been when my fucking mom asks, yeah. uh, when are we going to record? My concern is we don't have any listeners anymore. I don't think anybody's ever oh, going to listen gonna, to us again. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you want to do shout-outs now, but I'm going sure. to bring one up Oh, no, quick. you told me to stop doing shout-outs. Oh, okay. You, you quit no, on shout-outs I a couple did, episodes 100%. Ago. Eric uh, shamed me out of uh, doing shout outs. I, uh, I do have one shout out. i met Dustin Morrill's girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, Candace Goad. where you a, meet her at? At a cookout recently. Nice. And the one you tweeted about? The one I tweeted about. Yeah. And uh, again, tell us that story. <laughs> the cookout so, story. So <laughs> uh, I went with my buddy Dana to this cookout. Shout out uh, to Dana. It was for my best friend's girlfriend's birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a and there was a bunch of her coworkers there. So I met quite a few uh, new people, and they were all like really young. Did Candace recognize you? Shout out to Candace, by the way. Well, uh, well I was going to tell that story, but now I'm, now I'm telling this okay. fucking oh, story. Okay. I'm sorry, Doc. Go ahead. Proceed. Okay. So there's all these young kids there, like early 20s. And they are uh, Andrew's girlfriend's name is Christina. And they're all just like down to like fucking drink. And I don't know how many times I got asked, You're not drinking? But I was kicking back the DP, Doc. I was five or six deep. By the uh, end of the night. So anyways, one of the co-workers, seems like a nice guy, Glenn. Probably never see Glenn in my life again. Uh, he made, he's, probably, he's, probably our, he's probably our number one listener. He uh, he made some uh, jalapeno poppers, right? Uh, yeah. Which is, you know, As you do. Uh, cream cheese stuffed in jalapenos wrapped in bacon. And, and, and Andrew's girlfriend. I love that you described what jalapeno poppers are. And, <laughs> and you know. And, you know, I I tell you, I trip out when I worked at Subway fucking years ago. Yeah. And people would see green chili in the Bain, and they're like, that's green chili? Yeah. And I can have that? And I'm like... I mean, to us, green chili is the norm. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, uh, Christina's cooking. She made so much goddamn food. It was ridiculous. Even though there was a ton of people there... Shout out to Christina. She still made too much food. So, anyways... Uh yeah. I'm feeling okay though going to this cookout because I took a shit before. Prior. Right. So I'm yeah. okay. I'm thinking I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna slam some DPs, I'm gonna be okay. Christina told me she was gonna buy a 12 pack specifically for me. Of DP? You know, yeah, right, because she nice. knows I don't drink. But the terrible thing was she put it at the bottom of the cooler. So it was just like layers and layers of beer, and I was just like having to shove my whole arm into the goddamn cooler so, so I could sad bring me. up a DP. You were you were in this massive struggle at a free cookout with free Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Pepper. It got shit. to a point where people would come in and join me in the cooler. Yeah. Because I couldn't bring up a DP, so they were like, let me try. I think, I, drinking, think, I think Glenn helped me one time. I don't know. I don't know alcohol. Michelob Ultra. I don't know. I think Miller Lite at one Light. point. I don't know. There was, there was various alcohol to be had. Anyways... Uh, This is ridiculous, this whole fucking thing. I should have I, never brought up this the goddamn sick Let me tell you right now, people will like this better than our movie reviews. Okay, so go so, ahead. so finally. So you're eating the fucking jalapeno poppers, da. You're just popping so, right, them. So Christina, how, uh, uh, she throws the goddamn jalapeno poppers on the grill. How, how many like, jalapeno poppers and would Glenn you say? Glenn made you a had. bunch. Oh, shit. Glenn <laughs> made a bunch, but I myself probably had about 10. 10 jalapeno, Glenn jalapeno poppers? Glenn made a bunch, da so holy shit. so dana who i who i go with but he's also very good friends with andrew and christina mm-hmm um dana's like lactose intolerant but he don't give a fuck this motherfucker will eat dairy all fucking day he'll long. go to dairy so he so he's so he's just fucking kicking back the jalapeno pop with the cream too. cheese in them with the cream cheese which obviously is dairy right so at one point and so we're all in her backyard she's got a bunch of like lawn chairs and shit i'm i'm doing my best to like try to talk to these people that i don't i'm trying not to be like the awkward introvert just sitting by myself you know but you did do that majority of the time yes yeah but I, I eDoc did put forth what some shirt effort were you wearing that i was wearing uh that cavity colors jason goes to hell tee. shout out to cavity colors we so, love it. so uh at one point dana's like i got shit so I'm like, we'll go fucking shit then. In someone else's house? Well, Christina's house. And, yeah, we're, and we're all still, like... But we're all really cool with... There's probably no with. plunger. There's probably like one little thing of toilet but, paper. But we're all like really cool with Christina, right? I don't know about that cool though. Yeah, no, I would say we are that cool. So, you know, whatever. We're still kicking back the jalapeno poppers. I, I was kind of disappointed that Dana gave up on the DP. <laughs> sure, more DP for E-Dog. But I was disappointed that Dana had like one and he started drinking water. What a loser. Yeah. So... And then by this point, uh, your stomach is uh, bubbling. I am. My stomach is bubbling, but I'm okay. (laughs) Okay. But this other girl who had came another one of Christina's coworkers, she had brought these really good soft tacos and she had salsa. And uh, at this point, Christina's fucking cooking, fucking fajita meat and shit. And Dana's like, I got shit again. (laughs) I'm like, go fucking (laughs) shit again. Dino!" So he's just tearing up. Yes. Christina's back at this point. Right. You know, it's I'm like a, Dumb and Dumber. I'm having fun. I'm having a good <laughs> time. Get, oh, don't use that toilet. It doesn't work. What, what's funny is like, I'm going to be there for, I thought I was going to be there for like an hour and bounce. Yeah. But I'm having a good time. Yeah. You know, E-Dog's mingling, uh, single and mingling. Uh, well, not singling, but you know, like <laughs> know. The, the Smiths would come on and I would try to get Dana to dance with me, but that wasn't really happening. Um you know, so, and then there's, and then... What the, a night for Eda, So, huh? the, you know, and the co-workers, they seem friendly and fun, you know, that I'm unacquainted with, but I'm trying to uh, uh, talk to. So anyways, it's about 10.30. I didn't think I'd stay here this long, but I got work the next day, right? hmm So, I tell Dana, I'm like, hey, are you going to chill? Or do you want me to take you home? And... Is, uh, is Dana, like, sweating at this point from all the... Um, well, I, I I was kind liquids. of impressed with Dana, because he, too, was, like, out trying to, like, talk with... You know, we're it, the two weirdos trying to put forth an yeah. effort at the party. Yeah. You're right. putting out the vibe. Right. So, so this entire time, I tell you, like, my stomach is like hurting, but I'm like holding like my farts in and everything. So I'm, I'm around all these random people. You yeah. Know, you it's know, not on like the trip that we go on to El Paso where you just but billow blow in the up. wind the entire right. time. Exactly. Basically, so, you just have take the plug out of your. Yeah. So Dana's like, no, I'm going to go with you. Can you give me a ride? I'm like, yeah, okay. So I drop Dana off. I get home. And I text him, I'm like, dawg, I'm farting up a storm now. And he replies back to me, dawg, I'm shitting my, <laughs> I'm shitting my brains out. Those jalapenos fucked me up. <laughs> and then it was funny because the next day, so I, I'm Christina's mailman. Mm-hmm. And the next day, she's like, we had to get a cleaning crew to come in. And then, <laughs> that, that, the next day when I'm at, when I'm at her house delivering the mail, Christina and Andrew and one dude who had like spent the night there, they're leaving. I don't know what they're going to go do. I also don't know if that guy was that fucked up that he couldn't drive or I don't know Neither why they here nor there. Why that guy spent sure. the night? Right. So I text them and uh, I was like, I mean, I told them, I was like, yeah, Dana told me that he had a shit real bad after eating those jalapeno poppers. And Christina was like, yeah, me too. I take big shit after eating those jalapeno poppers. So those jalapeno poppers that Glenn made yeah. fucking everybody up. So but, shout out to Glenn. So I digress just a little bit. Uh, Dustin Morrill shows up with his girlfriend, Candace Goad. Yes. Hello, Candace. And she told me that she didn't recognize me visually, but she recognized my face. Really? And she was like, Oh, you're from. Your face or your voice? She told me she didn't recognize my face, but she recognized my voice. Okay. Like, you she said, you heard me You talking. said she didn't recognize me, but she recognized my face. I didn't mean that. Okay. Voice. And, uh, she that, was, and that she, sweet voice you have. Yes. And she was like, Oh, you do Ghoul Squad with Keegan. And I said, Yes. So I, I thanked her in person, but I'll thank you again. Thank you for listening. Yes. Shout yes. out. So after that story, thank you, Eric. That yes. was amazing. Uh, we should just end the podcast now, just shitting, blowing, At away. barbecues. So uh, I have one shout out as well. Okay. So uh, after we recorded our last episode and posted it, the Final Destination episode, which you should listen to, we did our top five, final, no, ranked the entire Final Destination franchise. Yes, uh, I got uh, I got word from one of my friends, longtime friend, who's never listened to our podcast. Such a nice guy of him. You know, it's, I think our podcast has been going for four and a half years right now. Wow. And uh, he'd never listened. So, okay. and I never thought he would. So we're uh, hanging out in the garage one night at my brother's garage. And uh, his name is Lucas Middleton. Okay. This guy, he goes, yeah, I, uh, I listen to your podcast. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> and uh, and I got to say that's one of the highest compliments that I can possibly get Middleton. is that Lucas listened to the podcast okay. and I'm being serious. So, well, I re- thank you Lucas. Thank you Lucas for finally listening. He said, "Yeah, I was listening to some of the old ones now I'm excited for the next episode." And then we it took us 2 months um I like that you did your Lucas impersonation. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't not do it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it, I feel like it's, it's a higher compliment almost, even though I love the people that listen because Lucas is not Doesn't a horror. A well, he's not a horror fan. Really? Right. You know, he likes horror movies, but he's not a horror fan. And He uh, said he liked our podcast. So, right. um, but again, you know, I, I hope I would hope horror fans might like us. I'm shocked they do.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, but uh, thank you, Lucas. We appreciate you. Oh, he told me his favorite uh, horror film, so I'm going to shout him out. Uh, his favorite horror film was The Strangers. Okay. And he suggests that we do a top five home, home invasion. invasion episode. Okay, I like which it. I think would be amazing because I love home invasion films as well. So, I'm with Lucas, you. shout out. Uh, Lucas is the owner of Milton's Brewing. Uh, which is the shit, and he's the shit, so thanks for listening, Lucas uh I think that's probably it for our housekeeping, okay, so uh, what do you say we get to actually this is this is gonna be it until you know what I was just thinking? maybe we should do your 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 uh horror punk now, okay or okay, no, I got an idea. let's do like two or three theatrical films, and then let's pause, okay, and then we'll uh so soon. Uh, listen to a couple of our reviews, and then Eric in the middle will break up the monotony, and he will give us his uh, Eric Coffin's terror tune. Eric Coffin No, it's not quite, not quite there yet. Uh, and you'll sing it with me this time. But first, let's get to what we've been watching. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the
1: lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.
0: Yes. Okay. Let's do uh, Annabelle Create. Oh, God. I called it Annabelle Creation. Annabelle Comes Home. Okay, so this came out yesterday. We literally saw it less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. And uh, we had a terrible fucking disruptive audience oh, jesus christ i mean like worse than usual i yeah. would almost say yeah and I, I don't want to give the impression like we're miserable pricks i do think we are no, miserable these motherfuckers pricks, were talking but this was bad they're getting up they're like fucking stomping their feet yeah. they're fucking like at one point that girl fucking fell yeah oh i hey, noticed hey, that hey, in the hey, front row this girl was like walking and then she fucking, just like, ate it ate it hard like and, you you know when you hear like skin like like hit we could hear that all the way through the theater. What was funny was Dana was like, do you think she really fell? Or do you think that was just some like jackass shit? And as awful as the fucking audience was, I'm going to say it was probably some jackass shit. Like they just thought they were fucking funny. Yeah, I think they were fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, or I think they think they were funny. There was a bunch But of, there were, let's talk about the film. Yeah, well, let's talk the film. But there were a bunch of assholes. Oh, we forgot to mention it was the coldest fucking theater on the earth. I had a the jacket. Cold, well, that's nice you had a jacket, there. Thanks Eric. to my girlfriend. Uh, I told you guys I brought a fucking jacket because I didn't gets even in bring it. I in. forgot to bring it, yeah. and I wasn't gonna go outside to actually get it. I mean, who the fuck does that? But uh, you know, I don't get cold, so when I say it was a cold theater, please trust me, it was freezing. Like I was like about my fucking nose was gonna fall off. So uh, that was the theater review. Shout out to Allen Theaters. We love your theater, the La Cueva Six. Uh, I, you know, I used to like hold back. Like I, I would I didn't want to like disparage them on the podcast. What if I got a job with them sometime? Right. Allen Theaters. You did have a job with them once. Well, time. I, I did. And did now, they did they suck as much then as they do now? Yes. Okay. So Allen Theaters shout out to you. Just never improved. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's they like, just keep on sucking the dick. Well, and like the place is just dirty in general. Yeah. Anyways. So that is our theater review. But let's talk. Annabelle comes home. Okay. I think I'll go first since You'll you just told first. that whole story. Okay, so Annabelle Comes Home. This is an exciting film for me because uh, it's the next Annabelle film, but we've been... Sure, it's the next Conjuring Universe film. Right, but Conjuring Universe films, we've had this... Eric and I have not really liked the last two, right? right. So La is not really Conjuring Universe, but of course it is. They say it is. Yes. And that film was disappointing. Yes. And then we also saw The Nun, which I was really hyped about. I'm like, fuck yeah, it's the next entry. Like, it's going to be awesome. It has Tyson Farmiga, by the way. A lot of Farmiga on this episode, by the way. Uh, you know, in retrospect, I think I may have liked The Nun, though.
1: <laughs> but go ahead,
0: let's keep talking. Okay. okay. It kind of invalidates everything you've ever said. But, yeah. Uh, yeah Compared no, to what we keep seeing. Sure. Um, so we saw The Nun, and I remember saying it was like National Treasure, the fucking horror movie where like right. there's all this CGI at the end. It's, that's a quite a mess of a film, but it is okay. Right. Yes. But those films were disappointing. I think it's quite literally those films are disappointing, especially after Annabelle Creation, which I think is like one of the best horror movies made in the last ten years. Which I'm probably the only person saying that, but like it's that good to me. It's a good movie. Yeah. David Sandberg is crazy. Like I love the sort of nihilism in that film, where like a child runs out in the road and gets hit by a fucking bus uh, or a truck or whatever. So, anyways, Annabelle comes home. Fast forward. Here we are. Mm -hmm. It's out. It's the third years later. You know, and... Oh, it's directed by Gary Doberman. Yes. Is this his directorial debut? I believe so. Okay. He is James Wan's uh, producing partner. Is that fair to say? Yes. And uh, it's okay. So I liked it. I would say my stance on Annabelle Comes Home is that I did like it. Okay. Uh, We walked out of the theater, and my first thing I said to you guys was I I liked how sweet it was. Uh, I liked that the film... Uh why don't you explain it? You're really good at this. Explain Annabelle comes home. Uh okay, so this must pick up You can up. shorthand it. Okay, this must pick up after the first conjuring because yeah. in the first conjuring that's when the Warrens get the doll. Yeah. Um I didn't ca- and so they bring it home, they have a room full of haunted artifacts that they keep under tight uh locking key mm-hmm. and that and they have to put the Annabelle doll like under like extra uh protection. They put it in this glass case with the glass is made out of like cathedral gla- glass if that's correct, like window glass. Um, just because of how evil uh, the Annabelle doll is. And they explain that it's a conduit for like other demons or malevolent ghosts to yes. come through. Um, I, why did they leave? So the Warrens leave. You know, it was funny. I kept waiting for them to go to the door and say, okay, we're going to be gone. You know, have a good uh, week, uh, night or whatever. Right. We're leaving. Mm-hmm. And then randomly, I almost think the scene is cut. Because there's, like, the Warrens are there. They never say they're leaving. Right. And then, boom. No, there's that part where the daughter's, like, finishing Ed's sentences. Like, okay, I'll have fun and I'll behave. Yeah, but you never see them, like, walk out the door. Okay. Or, like, get in the car or anything. I just thought it was kind of odd. Like, boom, the next edit, they're just not there. Right. Which I thought was and, really and weird. so uh, they have a young daughter, Judy. Yep. And uh, the babysitter's going to come and stay with him. I guess this is just for a night. Yeah, seems like it. Um, And... an. Uninvited friend comes over. Yes, uh, an acquaintance with uh, the babysitter. Yep, um, but which we... is the actress is from Goosebumps Two. Oh, okay. The uh, main character, the the babysitter, is from Goosebumps Two. Oh, I you know I didn't uh, See make her. that connection. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Fuck you, da. So, um, she comes in, and uh, it's 2011. Yeah. We've, we've had to rewind the clocks a little bit. No. So, and, <laughs> and we we learned that, the, uh, there's been a recent article published about the Warrens that are they just, uh, frauds. Yeah. Right. And so because this because this article has been published, uh, their daughter, Judy, has been being made fun of. Bullied in school. At school. Right. Yep. Exactly. Um, uh, so, uh, then they, they're going to stay the night together. Uh, this, the uninvited friend comes over who you learned has, uh, some motivations of her own Yep, and she unwittingly uh, lets the Annabelle uh, doll loose and it triggers a bunch of the other haunted artifacts to uh, come to life. And hilarity ensues. Yeah, but it's always just like one at a time for them. They're never like taking them all on at once. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's Annabelle, that's the story. Yes. Yeah, that so, fair? I think that was great. Aaron. Okay. Um yeah, so part of what you said was uh it's kind of cool cuz you can tell this is like a screenwriter trying to figure out how to make this movie cuz they're like, "Well, how do we how do we get a character to open uh Pandora's box with Annabelle?" Sure. And even watching it when it happens, the character that that unleashes her, as it's occurring, I'm sort of like Okay, well, I guess we're going to have to suspend our disbelief. Why would she do this? Like, just for, just because she's curious. Like, it's really stupid. Um, I'm not really a logic guy, so I'm already letting it go. And then we quickly find out, which this is early on in the film. uh, This character has a a father that has passed away. And she is, I'll just say, she's trying to use the doll and and an artifact in there to, like, see her, talk to her dad again. Correct. Um, And so the reason I describe that one is, like, those things. I felt were really sweet and I really liked that the film was heading in places where it was trying, it was giving all the characters, motivations, all the characters, things to overcome and win at the end. So it was very, it's a very screenwriter film uh, because also you have, like you said, their daughter who is trying to overcome her being bullied right. at and school. The, the head babysitter. It's like her finding courage. Exactly. Uh, to defend the daughter as well as uh, there's a boy Talk that to she the she likes. Yep. Right. So, Bob. so. You know, Why I, I understand these themes are, are incredibly simple, uh, I liked it. I liked that the film wasn't just like a boo factory or like The Nun, where... Um, I'm not really sure what that film was about at all. So, uh, it's cool. The Nun's fine, but I don't know what that movie's about. And this movie was about, like, several things. Characters had motivations, reasons to do things, and things to learn about themselves by the end, which are films I like. So, I... You know, I would explain all those, but I would spoil the film. Annabelle Comes Home, I liked it. I liked it for those reasons that I thought it was cool. Um, I liked, you know, sort of a lot of the gags. But I don't think, and I'll, I'll, I'll move to you on this. I do think, like, the scares are okay. Like, at okay. times, it reaches close to, like, what James Wan does. Um, definitely more than The Nun or um, Curse Viola. of Lirona. But... Not, not quite enough for me. Like they were like, I've coined this thing, you know, sequences of terror, extended sequences of terror and immersion in these films. And I felt like this was striving for that. It was like right. grasping. There, there were long cuts in the film, which I like, liked of prolonged, uh, I'm going to say suspense. intensity suspense. Yes. Yeah. And I liked that. And there were a couple where like, there's one where the babysitter gets like dragged down the hall and is like screaming and right. it's like one shot. And I was like, Oh fuck. Like, here we go. Mm-hmm it really never rises to like what I think Annabelle creation does so well, which is just like terror. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like it. Uh, it's definitely not near as good as Annabelle creation does not even close to a James Wan film, but I did like it. I liked it more than the nun, more than curse of La But, uh, this is going to be a recurring theme on this podcast. You know, having seen us this year, um, Jordan Peele's us, like, I just feel like everything is paling in comparison to that film. Uh, So, Eric, what did you think Uh, of Annabelle Comes Home? I did not like uh, Annabelle Comes Home, but I will start with the positive first. Yeah. Uh, They definitely used the film to introduce uh, new monsters in the Conjuring universe. And I guess, you know, I'm happy to see new spooks, but I guess I, I don't feel like we need more. Like, when we were going into this film, we were talking like, oh, are we going to see the Crooked Man? Like, are we going to see the nun? Are we going to see existing uh, Conjuring uh, creations? Uh, but we don't. We get new stuff. And uh, there are some cool ones. Uh, my favorite one is The Bride. Uh, the Bride is a haunted wedding gown. And whoever wears it, uh, it drives them crazy. But there's a point where I guess the ghost is uh, – a ghost is wearing this haunted wedding gown. And there's this terrific fucking shot – in the film, uh, it is from the daughter's perspective, and the camera, uh, the camera is rotating 360 around the house, and the ghost in the wedding gown is walking around the house. Do you remember this? Yes. And she's, like, in the house, and she's, like, outside of the house Yes. as she's walking around, and finally, when she comes full 360 and stops, and she's staring at the little girl, she pulls out a knife, and yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, like... At that point I was like oh shit this is great. And then immediately after that is where I started having problems with it. Yeah. She runs towards the daughter and the daughter grabs a crucifix and the scene cuts. Yeah. And this happens multiple times yeah. throughout the film where I kept waiting for like it to like amp up. Uh, I guess like you know like what we've already said the the drawn out tension shit is cool. But then I felt like when the excitement level was rising, yeah. it was quick to drain us of it. It was quick to take us out of it. It was quick to take us to another character. Yeah, like they would, that turned me off a bit. They bunch. would break the tension quite a bit. Yes. Like I totally agree. Yes. Um, the other one that they seem to like a lot to use uh, is the the Ferryman. Yes. Which I think sounds cool, looks cool, but then in practice, to me, and this is going to sound, I really, this might be a big burn for Go the ahead. film. But uh you know the ferryman to me, it it sounds cool, looks cool. Anything but man, I'm like down for. Yeah, but in practice, just, hang on, I gotta I gotta do the burn. In okay. practice, it felt more like bad insidious. Okay. further stuff. Like there's this extended sequence where the babysitter like goes to like basically confront herself and the ferryman, and like she opens this door which almost felt like she was going into the further. Okay, and there's all these like corpses basically with with their the coins Coins over their eyes and it's like goofy and um sort of uh like otherworldly it really reminded me of the further and insidious that's fair which which i think is cool in those films but for me it like sort of broke i did not find it scary at all Mm -hmm. didn't find fairy man scary once didn't find anything that went on with him scary for a second well speaking of being disappointed with the with the with the fairy man i did not like the hellhound like, when you told me, you were like, well, there's a werewolf on the poster. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then they introduce uh, the werewolf. I wasn't having him. Like, uh, the the logic behind the hellhound for me wasn't working. So, he, like, comes out of the fog. Yeah. But he can, like, be hit and, like, dispersed. Uh, the love interest in the film, Bob, who's also, like, the comedic relief, has to confront the hellhound multiple times. And normally, I like comedy. Yeah. And film. Like, make me laugh, dumb or serious. Um. But like that just wasn't working for me, and like the comedy was used, I feel, uh, with him and the Hellhound, yeah, and that was another turnoff for me. Yeah, I mean, I it's funny because I of course you bring up the logic on him. That's not why I didn't like him. I didn't like him because we didn't really get to see him. The, uh, you the, the love interest or the werewolf, the Hellhound, uh, the Hellhound. You only see him like once on top of a car for a second, and then there's right. one shot that's CG, I think, of him like in your face, right. And then uh, he quickly disperses him into like fog. And I'm like, well, fuck, I didn't really get to see him. Right. Um, But, you know, I like the idea. I, You know, I think we have to remember like this film is not going to be a werewolf film. So I feel like it's an extra to me. I was like, okay, that's that's an extra gag. Like I never thought the werewolf, the hellhound was going to be like crucial to the film. But uh I can tell you why he exists. Again, this is what I was talking about, that screenwriter thing. This is a screenwriter's dream. This is them trying to figure out, okay, so you wanna know what the hellhound is? He's so they don't leave the house. Correct. That's and that's brilliant. Um and that's you know, because people, you know, why don't they just leave the fucking house? Well, because it's a horror movie, you idiots. But they did come up with a reason, which is there's a werewolf. There's outside. a fucking werewolf outside. Right. So I appreciated that. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a simple reason, but for me, like the hellhound, like I was getting at, is simply I thought he was like added fun. But you know, I really think they focus, like you said, on the bride, the fairy man, and then uh, I don't remember, but I was the mo- okay. So I I thought the film was going to turn up to a million when we finally get to see the fucking Annabelle demon. Right. He finally so, does come out. So he returns. Yes. And uh, so my favorite part of Annabelle and Annabelle creation is that demon. That dude is fucking terrifying. Da, that fucking, uh, the fucking laundry room basement sequence yeah. in the first Annabelle. Yeah. Uh, that shit's creepy as hell. And then there, there's like a scene in Annabelle creation where he's like on the roof of like the fucking um, like crawling on his hands on the, on the ceiling of the barn in right. Annabelle creation. Right. And uh, the way it's shot, again, this is so important. Like, it can't just be uh, someone dressed up as a demon, okay, on screen. It needs to be, it needs to feel terror. And I feel like someone like David Sandberg or James Wan, they know how to do it. Where, like, it's, you're super far back. You can barely see him. And you're like, what the fuck is that? What Mm -hmm. is that? And then finally it comes into focus a little bit. And you're like, it's a fucking demon. What the fuck? You know, those things are important. And in this film, he's, like, in front of the camera and then Mm -hmm. speed ramped. Yeah, like, it's fucking... I made this joke to you last night. It's 1999, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, and I was like, oh, no. So, uh, okay, maybe we've gone a little too in-depth on this because the only reason why is spoilers, so I hope I hope that uh, we haven't spoiled the film for anybody. But, uh, yeah, Annabelle comes home. What, do we have anything else? Oh, I did want to say um, the fact that Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson are in it again, and I will say this again about another film in the, uh, later on. Um I do think that they elevated it somewhat, and I and I worry that if they weren't in it at all, I might have liked it less. Um, they are minor characters, but it was cool to see them return. Well, and then the film ends, and fucking Patrick Wilson grabs a guitar and says, I'm going to play a song. And, like, again, I liked how sweet it was, and I love him, and I, I like the Warrens, and, you know, but the film inside of them is just okay. You know, I feel like I'm a sap, but I didn't feel the sweetness. You didn't feel it at all. I didn't. I mean, there you, was there was that one point towards the end. You and didn't I don't care want about a dead, dead dad. dad. Specifically, there's a moment where uh, something happens with the dead dad at the end with uh, uh, Lorraine and the uh, character who's missing the dead father. And I literally felt. I literally told myself, like, ah, uh, no, fuck this. Yeah. Like I didn't buy into it. Well, and what kind of sucks is you can almost feel like they're trying to use Ed and Lorraine as like. Um, I almost feel like it's exploitative of their characters real quick, because I almost feel like what you're talking about there, that scene, they're using her because we trust and know her. Right. Because we, she's been, you know, she's the franchise, right? Her and Ed are the franchise. So that I felt like, I felt like it was manipulative as well for her to deliver those lines that were sweet about her father. Let's just say that. Right. Um, I, I felt manipulated for sure. Cause I'm like, well, this is Lorraine Warren, Vera Farmiga, who we love in these films. She's not even in this movie, but you're right. using her to make like kind of a big scene. Our emotions, right? You see what I'm it's saying? It's kind of like a conclusive scene. But it still kind of worked on me because it's manipulative. I think it is manipulative, right. but it worked. Um, uh there's another moment in the film, also with the dead dad, where I guess like one of the spirits is like blasphemizing the father. Like Matt. Uh yeah. And like I was on board for that. Yeah, I was like, "Oh shit!" Now this is tight. But then uh, the opposite happens, and we're already saying how it like tries to go sweet. Yeah, I almost wonder, like you know, these big extended sequences of terror, and then I feel like they always end with like people screaming. Yes. Um. Well, uh, mark this one down. Take this audio down, and we can use this again. I feel like there wasn't enough screaming in this film. <laughs> okay. Like I almost wonder if that is what makes me feel the terror of a scene, and. It can even. Be, it doesn't have to be just you know women. It could be anybody. Like I think there's dudes screaming in several of the films, and I almost wonder if that's part of what's wrong with the nun as well because they're all they're all so like competent that they're like trying to defeat it, and mm. you, you never really get like that terror, you know, like sure. people utterly go- losing their mind because they're so afraid. They don't know what they're up against. And so if we don't have that as an audience, I don't feel the terror of the scene. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. So I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that that's been sort of missing, other than creation. Um, which I feel like there's just characters screaming the whole fucking movie. Uh, anyways, Annabelle comes home. What else? Uh, what was the most recent theatrical film after Annabelle? Yes. Oh, what was? Yeah. Ma? No, Child's Play. Child's Play. Let's do Child's Play next. All right, Eric, you do Child's Play. Okay. So there was, we shouldn't have to explain the whole thing, but go ahead. Right. Uh, okay. So obviously it's a remake of the 1988 Tom Holland film. of The same name uh mgm uh just quick little uh making of history uh don mancini who has written every single fucking child's play had nothing to do with this uh, i guess he was like offered an executive producer credit but declined it hmm. um and declined money with this is crazy simply because his child's play is still going like the story he's trying to tell still exists in the universal sequels and i guess now we're getting a sci-fi series with the dude who did channel zero is that correct nick acosta supposed to i i, I worry that'll never actually happen but yeah um just off the side real quick i'd prefer another movie than me a TV too Series. no me too when they talk about those friday the 13th uh shows i'm like how about just make a movie with uh masked killer slicing teenagers like, like- They're talking about like new Friday the 13th series. No, they're talking about like the old stuff. This is prior. Well, they were talking about a new series prior to the lawsuit. Uh, It was being developed with the CW. It was going to be on the CW. It was a real show going to happen. It was going to have like Jason's dad and shit. Well, since we're talking about slasher fucking shows, let's talk about Scream Resurrection. Oh, yeah. You know, I haven't watched the trailer yet. Okay, so this just dropped like a day or two ago. Yeah. And it's going to be like a week long event where it's like from the July 3rd to the 9th. Those dates aren't correct. Do you remember my tweet like two years ago where I was like, okay, here's what you do. Bring back Ghostface yeah. and make it violent. And I was like, that's it. That's how you got to do. Yeah. And it's like each episode is going to be like two hours long and it's going to be like this week long uh, event. But it's fucking, it's not the Brandon James mask. No. It's fucking legit ass screen one through four uh, Ghostface and the dude who fucking voiced uh, Ghostface for all the films. He's back. He's he's the fucking voice again. Crazy. Um Am I worried that it's a VH1 show? Yeah. And that we're not like, does it take place in the universe? Do we have any of our characters? No. Right. So like my concern is, well, kind of like this Child's Play remake, is it going to feel like a wolf in wolf's clothing? Right. Where it's like, what are we doing here? You know, but we'll I guess, see. I guess we're excited. Oh, cause for sure. Because it's, you know, it's a character that we know and love. So I guess Go Space alive again. That's all I fucking care about. Right. So so let's keep that ball rolling with we're excited to see more child's play, even though it's this confusing two divergent stories now going on right. with the creator not endorsing it. And I feel like you've covered that, but let's cover that ahead of time book so we can just review this film. You know, for me. Uh, while, while it is frustrating and while I do love Don Mancini's Child's Play films, while I've watched all of them and liked them, I've detailed that on this podcast. Um, you know, I, my opinion, I really don't blame MGM using o- remaking it, Orion and remaking it because they look, have the right to, they have the right. And, uh, you know, they're making a fucking movie. Like I, you know, they should have got their contracts better. Like also, how do I say this? Like if, Okay, if Jason was taken away from Sean Cunningham, but it caused us to get a new theatrical Jason film... We'd be okay with we'd it. We'd be like, that sucks. Uh, it sucks that it's ha- it's come to this. Sure. But we'd be like, fuck it. It's more Jason. Right, exactly. E- even if it has nothing to do with the original franchise. So, so I struggle with it because like, I want to be on everyone's side where they're like, oh, fuck this new movie. But I also like film. I like movies. So. Sure. I want to' we're, go we're the guy who likes remakes. Exactly, but also I want to and see reboots and I want to see what they did in sequels. So so uh, I'm just gonna say right off the bat, uh, I didn't like it, but there was stuff I did like in it, and the reason I did not like it was I was comparing it just too much to the original. and it's so fucking different, yeah, from the original. Uh, no longer is it a possessed doll by the soul of a serial killer. Now it's just a robot uh, gone crazy that I guess can learn. You are fair? my buddy. So yeah, there's this... So Mark Hamill voices that, Chucky. By the way, that's the best part of the movie. And is there's this silly fucking song that he sings, and it's uh, it plays over <laughs> the fucking... It's like haunting, credits, Yeah. <laughs> you are my buddy. My only buddy. So I was struggling <laughs> with that. But now that I know that, now that I know the difference, I feel like I want to give it another chance give me especially a chance, huh? because the idea behind this chucky you know the original film uh he's a serial killer that wants the soul of a child so he's not stuck in a doll this chucky just wants to make andy happy yeah he, he's gonna kill whoever makes andy unhappy yeah and there's a part of me that feels like i can get behind that because i like friendship I like the idea of best buddies. There's a montage in the film before Chucky gets evil where they're just like hanging out and having fun and they're playing board games. And, uh, you know, they already make Andy as this kind of, you know, sad character. You know, he, yeah. he doesn't have any friends. His mom kind of sucks. He, he has a, a hearing impairment. So him to finally be having fun with someone, uh, I was like super into this. I was like, give me just more of this friendly montage. And now that I know that it's just Chucky wanting to defend Andy, I kind of feel like, I might come around a second time. Okay. I mean, yeah. So for me, uh, I didn't go into the film thinking about child's play at all. Okay. Just because for me, I feel like we had already, as like a horror culture, which sounds, uh, elitist, but I feel like we had already like separated it. Like okay. months ago, everyone was like, oh, fuck that they're making that child's play movie. Correct. And then as the months have gone on, like film, Twitter, horror film, Twitter, Instagram, everyone's sort of been like, okay, Fuck it. What is this? Sure. And so so that's where I was, which was I... when People I, decided to have an open mind. Right. I, I went in with an open mind saying, this is not Don Mancini Child's Play whatsoever. Mm-hmm. What is this movie? So I, I feel like I'm pretty good at doing that. So I didn't give a shit like at all about versus the original or anything because... We just knew, like it's a technological one. He like it's just not similar at all. No, like he doesn't not. even look like Chucky almost at all. And it's so dumb how they give him his name, Chucky. I wouldn't yeah. even say because that fucking dumb. Yeah. So for the film for me, okay. So I tweeted like it's fine, right? Like I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was good. I just was like fucking whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we walked out and I was like I'm not buying that. Number one, and number two. I did, however, feel like if we had received this VOD or like direct to video or direct to Blu ray or direct to shutter, for instance, Mm -hmm. and we had just clicked play on this at home and it wasn't a theatrical film that like felt like it needed to be something, I feel like we would have been like, oh, that was cool. Right. Right. Uh, and that's how I felt, honestly. I felt like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but I didn't give a fuck about it. And what about when it was getting like kind of gonzo? Like, uh, the face ripping and like like the fucking watermelon patch so, and like some of the gore. Like none of that, sh- like all that shit was kind of like, what the fuck? But I like appreciated well, the wackiness. I of liked it. how mean spirited it was. Yeah. Uh, at times it felt extremely mean spirited. And I was like, oh, this is dope. Like, okay, he's going to start fucking killing everybody. But then like it devolves into like drones with fucking uh, yes. razor blades mm-hmm. tied onto them. And at that point, I was just out. I nope. just didn't give a fuck anymore, and I also didn't really buy uh, Chucky's motivation for like just wanting to be a friend. Turning no, I didn't. No, I liked that. I felt like it. Did, his motivation didn't make any sense. Why he switched to killing Andy? Um, because I know he threw him out, but it's like I don't know. I, I just didn't. I didn't buy. I don't. That doesn't ruin the film for me, but I just felt like overall I was kind of over it. And then one more thing. The reason I didn't really give a shit about it is I feel like it's not very well made at times. Like It has archetypal characters that just like aren't characters. So, for instance, Aubrey Plaza's uh, boyfriend mm-hmm. is just like, he literally has like three lines. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you, kid. Like, that's his lines, basically. And he pisses on himself. Yeah. And so, his whole character is like basically, he's not a character at all. He's literally right. just like an archetype and they... Um, but aren't we okay with that? Because he's just uh, kill fodder. It's not. It's not that. It's more so that like the film. I don't feel like it's. I don't know. I felt like it was a little amateur. Okay. That's Honestly, fair. that's how I felt that's because fair. at times like it was like ADR, and it was like they were saying like their lines seem fake at times. Like it just felt like it was stitched together, and then at the point when. I don't know, it felt like someone was trying to make this movie into something instead of this being the film. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Like There's- it felt like they needed to stitch up the ends of this film to like, okay, cool, now this is child's play. Right. Like uh and then they just like introduce stuff like uh Andy's uh hearing impairment. But like they don't ever like touch on that. There's like a yeah. part where like Chucky speaks through his hearing aid, and I feel like that <laughs> I feel like Andy didn't need to have that disability. Yeah. Because that yeah. was like the only thing they did with that. So that was like weird to like, why even have that in the film? Well, that's kind of what I was saying by amateur. Like it's like, it's like it has a, a smart script, but like it's not smart at all. Like it's like, oh, he he's hearing impaired. Like let's give him that. And then he can like overcome it or use it in some way, like in uh, A Quiet Place, right? Right. So Quiet Place does that great. And then it's like, oh no, like, He's just hearing impaired. And that's fine. But the film introduces a lot of these things, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of lazy, shitty screenwriting, right. kind of shitty filmmaking. But at the end of the day, I thought it was okay. I don't think it's a bad movie, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like it was like well I'm honest with you, I, I thought it wasn't like well that well directed. Okay. Like it didn't feel okay. It didn't feel like a tight movie. Like mm-hmm. it felt like eh fucking we made a child's play movie with Aubrey sure. Plaza. And I was like, okay. For ten, I mean, $10 million dollars. Exactly. And we made a profit. Exactly. That's tight. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like Thrown together, but anything else for Child's Play? Uh, just that I didn't like it, but I'm ready to give it another chance. Yeah, I uh, like I said, I'm not gonna. See You're it done again. with it. I, I'm quitting on that film. You're done. I'm gonna go see Annabelle come, comes home again. Uh, I'm done with Annabelle comes home. That's fine, and I will give Child's Play another chance. Okay, so, so let's keep what was the next let, let's, most recent. Let's do one more film, okay, and then we'll do uh Eric Coffin's territory. Okay, and that film is Ma. Okay, let's do Ma, Octavia Spencer. Who the fuck directed Ma, duh? No idea. Okay, great. We'll have to a great start with Ma. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Did you like Ma? Yeah, it was, uh, I liked Ma. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I was laughing with those fucking kids. I almost feel like this film is better directed than Child's Play, okay. which is sad. Like, Child's Play is shot more interestingly. Like, there's a lot of use of colors, and it's like... It's cool, like, but it's like it's like if I made a movie. Like, Child's right. Play is like if I made a movie. Okay. Like, oh, let's put a green gel on like this kill, and it's like, no, but like you're not really a good filmmaker. That's it'd be like if I made a movie. Okay, uh, where I feel like Ma was like a more competently made film. It's fun. Uh, what is Ma? Okay, uh, we uh, don't have to talk a lot about it. Okay, what sure. Is uh, just quick. I'll try to be quick. Uh, Octavia Spencer. Uh, she's an older woman. Uh, you learn she was uh, badly picked on uh, when she was in high school mm-hmm. and she has met the kids, the children who, she, of the kids who she was picked on. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 And so she kind of takes advantage of that to finally gain her revenge. Yeah. On the people who had picked on her in uh high school. Um, did you like it? I did. Uh, I kind of felt like I also not of a fuck about it. Same here. Um, I was enjoying, like, the kids partying. I was enjoying them just, like, the the, the dumb shit they would say. There's, like, a part where they decide they're going to go get pizza, and one guy's like, fuck yeah, I got $9, and just, like, dumb shit like that. Yep. Um, but then when it finally, like, has to make Octavia Spencer, like, evil, when she's finally going to start when doing When it turns into, like, things, Stephen King's misery. That's when I kind of tapped out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I kept waiting for the film to sort of, like, up the ante and it go insane. I feel like it does a little bit at the end. Like, for instance, uh, you know, minor spoiler, a character possibly gets their mouth sewn shut. I don't think it's a big spoiler because I didn't say who or what. But uh, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I feel like right. it was almost going to be like mean-spirited and fucked up and like Octavia Spencer's ma character. She like fucks up all the kids. Yeah, but yeah. then it was kind of like, I feel like it didn't go quite far enough at times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I do think it's a blast. I mean, this is a fun movie to watch. Like, I look, I don't, not, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like endorsing Ma like it's a great film. But, uh, if you're going to rent something when this is out, it's fun. That's it's fun. totally fun, totally cool to watch. Ma's a great rental. Yeah, exactly. Ghoul Squad approved for rental. Yeah. Uh, however, the, uh, main character is actually from another movie that we don't have to talk a lot about because it's not horror, but we also saw Book Smart. Oh okay. Uh and that character that that girl is in Booksmart. Um I guess I should have presented that with our our Godzilla uh trip story. But uh yeah, Booksmart's really fucking good. Not horror. We're not, we don't have to talk it, but Booksmart is it's uh, one of the better movies I've seen. This one year. of the best movies this year. Yeah. I mean, I did not, you know, it's crazy. You know, when you leave a movie and like book smart isn't horror, or sci-fi or genre. So I wasn't like, fuck yeah, walking out of the theater. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I left, it's weird when you don't have a single fucking bad thing to say about a movie. And that was book smart. I literally was like, fuck, that was really, really, really good. So anyways, book smart is really fucking good. And uh, I almost didn't even want to go see it. So there you go. There you go. duh. And that was Ma. That was Ma. So Ma's cool. I mean, I feel like we don't have anything to say about it because it's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I agree. There's a lot of fun actors in it that I didn't realize were in it. Uh, Is that Juliette Lewis? That is. And then uh, is that Luke Evans? That is Luke Evans. You see his dick for like one second. Yeah. And and Octavia Spencer, obviously. And I was like, fuck, there's like people in this movie. Right. What the fuck? So anyways, Ma's cool. Rent it. Uh, Not the greatest movie ever, but definitely cool. All right. And that was Ma and Booksmart. Uh, so I think now it's time we're gonna take a break from all the films, and it's time for Eric Coffins Terror Tunes. Eric Coffins Terror Tunes. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you. Uh, and Eric, take take it away. Okay, so for this, uh, I'm excited to hear the story, Doc. So for this, Eric Coffins Terra Tunes, I did have a band uh, lined up, a new horror punk band that I'm excited about, but. Uh, I saw the Jasons. Yes. Uh, earlier this month. Uh, it's been about a week or so. Uh, it was June 17th in El Paso, Texas. It's my birthday. Uh, they were, um, happy belated birthday, duh. They were Thanks, on twenty eight in support of their latest album, Blood in the Streets. Blood in the Streets. And the so, streets. uh, I went with my girlfriend, Melissa, and my best friend, uh, Andrew. Um, so in El Paso now, I've seen Calabrese, uh, The Other, Argyle Goolsby, uh, The Stellar Corpses, and now fucking The Jasons. Any good bands? Like, fuck you, dog. <laughs> so, I mean, they got that fucking Draft House. They got a new one coming on the west side. Fuck it up. Huh? I should just move to El fucking El Paso, Yeah, you should dog. be a postman there. Work for the Federal Reserve there. Yeah, uh, I mean, they got a fucking Draft House and a horror punk scene. What else does Z-Dog need? I really can't think of anything else. The answer to that is titties. All right, and so so what happened at this show, okay, da, So I'm excited. Okay, so um, fortunately, the day of the show, the venue it was this small bar called the Rock House. They posted uh, the times the bands were going to play. There was three local bands before the Jasons uh, played, mm-hmm. and they had the Jasons listed at 11:15. So I was like, "Fuck, we should leave much later so we don't have to wait." That long for the Jasons. So that's what we did. We left about three, and we made the seven o'clock showman of The Dead Don't Die, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. And uh, after the movie, by the time we got to the venue, uh, the second band was already finishing up, so we didn't have a long wait for the Jasons. So we get there. We pull into the parking lot. What shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing just a plain Jane black t-shirt. Nice. Whenever I go to shit like this, I don't like to have like... Oh, this is what you know. Like if I went to any type of like comic book or film convention, I don't know. I don't want to wear my interest. I don't know if that's weird. It is weird because I mean the rule obviously stands you don't wear the band that you're seeing. You don't wear their shirt to their right. shirt. But I think you wear something, something affiliated? Affiliated or or another interest. So like if you go to a TBS show, you wear a brand new show uh shirt. Right. Uh Naughty Dog. I I feel like that's corny. So I'm just I, I'm in my uh horror punk show uh attire though You're i are a fucking piece of shit though I've got you know the all black tee, black pants, black shoes going though. So I'm at least doing the part, but I'm not are you like, like skanking at this point? No. Fucking like ska dancing and shit. So we get there, right? And uh they have a marquee and I tell Andrew and Melissa I'm like, oh I want to take a picture of this if it says the Jasons. And as we're walking uh over to the marquee uh the drummers like walking into the side door and I was like, oh, shit, there's one of them. I don't say this out loud. I say this just to uh, Andrew and Melissa. And uh, Andrew's like, well, obviously they're here. And I was like, I know, but I still want to take a picture if it says the yeah. Jason's, which it did not. Now, when you said the drummer, was he wearing a mask? He's wearing a mask. Yeah, exactly. You left that out of the story, Duh. So so you, oh, the drummer there. walks by and he's wearing the fucking mask. I'm getting there, G. Kay. So we get into the bar. They're all in there and they're all wearing <laughs> their masks. Uh, and, J- by the way, we're talking about Jason masks, hockey masks. Right, exactly. If you don't know the Jasons. Uh, so the so Jasons, they all wear the Jasons, uh, horror punk band. Uh, they each wear one of the Jason masks from the Friday the 13th sequels, and they go. their name is uh, whichever mask they wear. So, for example, the singer wears the mask from Part Five, so he's Jason Five. Yeah. Uh, the bassist wears the mask from Three, so he goes by Three D. The drummer wears the mask from uh, Goes to Hell, so he goes by Jason Hell. Is he bloated as shit? He's not. What's funny is they have a new drummer, so they call him New Hell. I like that. So, uh, so we get in there, and they're all like in—they're all in their fucking leather and their fucking hockey masks, and it's kind of intimidating not because it's a band i like but cuz it's these like four kind of big dudes just fucking rocking jason masks you know let me ask you this in the pictures you posted it looked like no one was there there's like 20 people at this <laughs> show and that's how every fucking horror punk show i surprised been anybody to even knows in, who they are in el paso um like do you remember that fucking story about like i forget where it was but like somebody put like a jason uh statue at the, like the bottom of a lake yeah that'd be fucking terrifying oh yeah to see that to be like swimming in a lake no it was funny, just to fucking see that you, you posted or melissa posted i don't remember posted a picture when you got there uh-huh. and it was basically so i know it's uh one of the band members from the jasons but uh-huh. it was basically just jason sitting at like the bar right and yeah he looked intimidating yeah so yeah yeah so so we get there and uh, there's already a band playing and there's like bands like So clothes. they stay in their masks the whole time? They stay in their masks the whole time. <laughs> I love it. That's and so awesome. So and so we get there and there's like okay, so there's uh the stage, there's like the area where like people would stand, and then there's uh tables. And like everyone's just like sitting like at these tables uh, and what was funny was the Jasons have their merch table on one of the pool tables. And I didn't see that initially. And I was like, are they just fucking playing pool in, in their fucking in hockey Jason masks?" Hats. But no, they, they just had their merch table set up. And so they're just like hanging out. You know, they're just like at the show. Yeah, there's only 20 people there. And what's funny is, uh, Melissa saw one of them is drinking a beer, but threw a straw through his fucking, through one of the holes in the hockey mask <laughs> so he can <laughs> uh, drink his beer. Mm-hmm. And I was super into that, that like they stayed. In costume that yeah. they never took off uh, their uh, hockey mask. I remember when I saw uh, the other, whenever they showed up, they weren't in costume. And, like, obviously, I know they're just dudes. Yeah. Right. But, but it, was it breaks like, the immersion. But, right. It was like the illusion was broken. Because yeah. prior to this, you know, I'd seen them in their, you know, the artwork for their CDs and, you know, their music videos. Where they're in like these crazy-ass costumes. Wa- Kiss walked around without their makeup. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the other got into costume when they played, but, you know, when they showed up... Um, they weren't, so it was cool to see the Jasons, just like in their fucking leather pants and their leather that was jackets. The only reason I wanted to go was that they they because of their look and and then their fucking hockey mask. Yeah. Uh. So you know we sit out the um, the live acts. Yeah. Excuse me the the local acts, and then the Jasons start setting up, and A Dog's getting all, you know, excited. Um. So I'm like, and you know, and I don't know, and you know. I would say it's common that you know people don't give a fuck about you know opening acts, you know. Yeah. But you know when the when the main band plays, uh, you know I'm thinking people are going to get up finally yeah. to the stage, which well, is that's not really the case. But I don't know this, so I'm like standing like in front of the goddamn stage, just like wait as they're setting up. Yeah. And nobody else is. Everyone else is still just like sitting down. And it was funny because Louis was like, "Babe, maybe you can." hang back a little you know you don't have to uh be right on their ass you i, know, I as hate theirs. i hate that though because like as somebody that goes to shows and has uh, been to shows like i'm not gonna not stand because you guys aren't like right you're supposed to stand in front of the stage at a fucking show sure but you know they weren't playing it, and it was like you know one dude he's got his fucking ipad you know and he's checking their levels and you know they're doing their mic check and blah 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 so anyways they finally start right and it's fucking uh I I made the joke to them, Melissa and Andrew. It's the stage, and then my knees, and then me, because I'm just like fucking right up on that bitch. Car. Yeah, I am. Just, You're riding it, now, and just immediately. You know, they start playing. It was cool because uh Jason Five had posted their set list. Yo, so nice. So I even knew so you could you know, prepare. Like, what they were gonna play. So I, I usually don't like that, but the last the the first time I ever saw brand new, I was so nervous because I'd never seen brand new mm-hmm. that I found their set list ahead of time. And dude, like you're saying, it helps so much because like I knew exactly what to prepare for. Right, exactly. So yeah. So they kick it off with the opening title from their latest CD, Blood in the Streets, and E-Dog is just E dog goes. E dog. E, <laughs> e-, e-, e- dog D- is now prom night girls. E-Dog. E dog. E dog is. I'm just as far as I know, because nobody else like joined me. Yeah. At the front of the stage, as far as I know, it's just E dog watching them. Yeah. And you know, I'm singing. I'm dancing. I fist pump. I'm fist pumping. You know. Finally, I notice no one's there. That there are a few people standing up, and there's a couple big dudes trying to get a like a push pit going, but E dog doesn't care. You know, I'm just having a blast, and this yeah. is about halfway through the set, da. And then, like, and they wouldn't, like, stop in between their songs. They would just, like, they would finish one and then, like, go right yeah. into uh, the other. Um, this is, like, halfway into the set. I tell you, I'm right on the fucking stage. And uh, Jason Five, he's, like, he points at me and he's, like, this dude's the fucking MVP of the audience. And he gives me a fist bump. Wow. And he goes, and this next song's dedicated to him to this dead fuck. And they have a song off their new album called Dead Fuck. And then they play it and I say, let's listen to Dead Fuck right now.
1: show you a new dance. Yo, 3D, crank that shit up, man. We're going to show them how it works. Here. No Here we go. Here we go. yo Hollywood, don't forget that lead. Yeah, I got this. One, two, fuck you. Do, 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 do the dance fun. Do, 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 the dance fun. Not bad, what do you say? Get gotta do, 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 do the
0: Okay. So now E-Dog is just like, oh my God, you know, fist bump for fucking Jason V. Shout it out. You know, great song. Great song. Um, I'm like even more riled up at this point, right? Uh, there's another song off the new album that they play called JJ is a headbanger. And it's just like a great sing along. I'm just like so into it at this point. I thought I was just going to get up on stage. I, I just felt like myself, like getting lifted up, like on my own, but I didn't. Like I, Jesus Christ himself. You I, were lifted I had, up on the cross and, and you, you were, were crucified and, by the Jasons. And you know what I was thinking? I don't have a cool way to get down. You know, I, you know, I can't just fucking stage dive because there's nobody to fucking catch me if I did. But why are you going to get up on stage? Because I'm just so fucking into it right now and this is just like a fun sing along song. Uh, so, so like if you were watching Bon Jovi, you'd just get up on stage because you like him so much? Well, I don't know why you said Bon Jovi. Just and some I, random piece of shit, man. And then, you know, I would assume Bon Jovi has, like, a barrier or Let's maybe security. Whereas, I guess. I mean, if I was that into I it, like I was with uh, the Jasons, right? All right, right now. go ahead. Okay. So so I, you're I mean, rising up off the floor. You're so now hovering. I, pretty much. You're, you're, you're E-Dog's fucking floating. Metaphorically hovering. Because I'm just, like, having a blast. And mind you, E-Dog's 100% sober. I was killing Dr. Pib at fucking the draft house, right? So anyways... Their last song, Easy's High on Horror Punk. Yes, the last song is uh, from their uh, two albums ago, Ghouls You Back Off. I Want to Be an Asshole. And as the song is like reaching its conclusion, the bassist takes the mic off his mic stand, and both Jason 5 and 3D, they're like pointing it in my face and they're like motioning me upstage. No way. And E-Dog just fucking takes it, dog. e fucking they're telling, takes the mic. How are they implying you're supposed to go up? They're, they're, they have, like, he has the mic. And like they're, he like, like my face. pointing it towards them? Yeah, and he's, like, oh motioning my. it towards them. Yeah. Wow, dog. So E-Dog just fucking, you know, I don't got to think about it. I already, I already thought I was going to get on stage yeah. earlier by myself. And you're, you're, you already have that star mentality, dog. I don't know about that. <laughs> so I fucking take the mic. Obviously, I know the lyrics. I'm just fucking American werewolf from the five and I look up side little joke. Uh, so you know i posted pictures of this show and i was gonna put prom night singer sings with the jasons but i thought no one's gonna get that so who cares if anyone gets it it would have been awesome so so i'm upstage with the fucking jasons right now i'm fucking singing the end of i want to be an asshole and i look up and there's people fucking staring at me and i have to like look back down and then i look up again and it's all fucking blur and i see melissa has her phone out and i'm like, yes. She's documenting the events, you know? And I felt like as soon as I got up there, it was over, over, yeah. Yeah. And so, the bassist, Would you say top three moments of your life? Duh. It was like, no other show is probably going to, like, come to that again. 20 people in the Jasons and Eric. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Uh, The the bassist, like, after the song, you know, is ending, he, like, taps... On his uh, mic stand, you are know, like, telling me to put the yeah. the, the stand back, uh, the, the mic back. And the and, and Jason Five has his, like, back turned. And I went and I patted him on the back and he, like, turned to me and I gave him two thumbs up and he gave me a, a thumbs up back. So I get up off the stage and I'm just, like, shell-shocked. Yeah. Like, at this. You're wobbly at this point. Yeah, and some dude comes up to me and he starts patting me on the back and he's like, "Good job, dude." "Fuck you, dude." He's he's just some dude in like this fucking punk vest that says "Fuck you" on the back and he's like, "Good job, dude." And so I so I go over to Melissa and I'm still like my ears are ringing probably just from the show but also just from like being like, "Oh shit, I just Yeah, testosterone. Did that. Yeah. Well, not that, just that I, I, I know, was so no. into it." And I was like, "Babe, you got a picture of it?" And she's like, "Yeah, I did." And then the one of the big guys uh who's trying to start a uh uh the push pit, he's like one more, one more and to me I'm kind of just like done but I was yeah, like you're fuck. Done. if they're gonna do one more I'm I getting got, on stage I, gotta again. Get, I gotta get well, I gotta get back to where I was standing, right? And Jason V's like oh do you guys want to hear uh get fucked or I do want to be a mongoloid and someone's someone's like get fucked so they start get fucked and then they fuck it up. And Jason, V's like, stop, 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 stop. He's like, okay, I guess we're gonna do. Uh, I do want to be a mongoloid. So then they start and they and they fuck that up. And he's like, stop, 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 stop. That's why we don't fucking do on course. And they just, <laughs> and they just fucking stop. Like serious? that was it. That was the that was the way the Jason show fucking <laughs> ended. So they're tearing down uh, their guitarist Hollywood. I don't know why he goes by Hollywood because obviously that's not a Jason sequel name, right? Uh, he's doing their merch. And then there's just like a line of people standing in front of Jason Five, the singer, like taking pictures. And Melissa goes to get in the merch line. And I go with Andrew. And I'm like, Andrew, I'm going to ask him for a picture. Will you uh, come with me? So finally, uh, I get up to him. And he's like, dude, you're singing every fucking word. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I see you out there. I was like, can I get a, a pic? And this is just funny because the Jasons act like fuck you, we're better than you. Yeah, they had to the get sued. But in person, they were just, like, super nice. Yeah. So I get a picture with uh, Jason V. And then Melissa's still standing in line to get a shirt. So I go and I stand up and I stand with her. And then when we get to Hollywood, he's like, dude, thank you for singing every uh, song. And I was like, I'm like, you're welcome, man. Can I get a picture with you? And he goes, well, what do you want me to do? So I guess people were asking him to, like, pose with them in different ways. Uh, and he was, like, pretending to choke some people. So I just blurred out... I don't know, hug me. So he throws his arms around me and he starts humping me. And so Melissa gets a picture of fucking Hollywood uh, humping my leg. Uh, I get a shirt. I tell him, great show. And uh, I'm still high off it, dog. I just think about it and fucking smile. And Easy went 10 to midnight. And it was the fucking highlight of E Dog's life. Nice, Tom. It was amazing. I love it. Jason's. I love it. And that was. Uh, the Jasons. And you know what? I've done the Jasons before for Eric Coffin's Tarotune segments, but this was uh, finally getting to see them live. It was funny because, you know, there's hardly anybody in the bar and before they start playing, uh, Jason V goes, yeah, in fucking Utah, we played in a fucking toilet. So I guess probably not many people were at these shows. It was amazing. Though. No, it's it amazing. Was, I mean, I the there's no way to top the story. Like, I'm not even it sure what the best to say thing ever because of, uh, I mean, I got fist bumped by Jason V. I sang for the end of I Want to Be an Asshole on stage and you got humped and Hollywood humped my fucking leg yeah now was that how was okay rank that that and meeting Adam Green was that Uh, does it compare the the, okay meeting Adam Green is like let's say knee level let's say at the bottom
1: hey I like Adam Green
0: I'm sure you do I like Adam Green but then getting to fucking sing on stage with With one of your favorite bands yeah is through the roof yeah it was the best thing ever, dawg. That's amazing, It was duh. amazing. I love it. Yeah. I can't top it. was. It we and then, like, all the photos I got, like, suck, but, like, dawg, I'm just happy to have them. Like, it was an amazing experience. No, that's amazing, dawg. I literally, we, we were, uh, so we saw Annabelle Comes Home last night, and we're standing outside the theater, and I was like, don't say anything about what happened at the Jason mm-hmm. show. Just save it for the podcast, so. Um, Nothing that cool has ever happened to me in my life, so. That's pretty sweet, dawg. Yeah good time well we must proceed yep so i guess let's go to and uh, with that another film huh that concludes eric coffin's terror tunes eric coffin's, coffins terror tunes fuck you eric fuck you fuck you eric fuck you, fuck you. uh all right thank you for that yeah eric. that was amazing that's thank the best you. part of the podcast so what should we talk next then it is godzilla uh you want to do godzilla let's do godzilla all right well i need some energy on godzilla All right, I'll uh, I'll go first. You've seen it three times. You go first. I've seen it twice. Do you want to describe it? And then I'll go. Okay, Godzilla. King of the fucking monsters is more uh, Vera Farmiga, right? This is five years after. A lot of Farmiga on this episode. Uh, Yes. This is five years after the events of the 2014 Garth Edwards. Gareth, but nice try. Gareth. (laughs) I tried, asshole. Uh, (laughs) Gareth Edwards uh, Godzilla. Godzilla's been gone for five years. Yeah. And they have been looking for him. Uh, we are introduced to uh, Vera Farmiga's character, who is some type of scientist who is a uh, human Thanos. Uh, she believes that the world needs to, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, da? sort of equalize. Yes. And she believes that could be done by waking these giant monsters and doing so one that she wakes up King Ghidorah. Yep. Uh, he is not of, The Earth, and he just creates imbalance, so Godzilla has to come to try to stop, uh, Ghidorah. Yes, my one of my favorite lines in the movie. Let's just get this out of the way. Is uh, Kyle Chandler? He's uh, I can't remember what he's describing, but he's like he's like saying something, and he points at a at a screen that has King Ghidorah on it, and he goes, "And this Ghidorah." (laughs) I was like, "Shut the fuck up, Kyle Chandler!" Is that when they make the gonorrhea joke? I think so. And and this Ghidorah, right? This good. Shut the fuck up. So uh, yeah. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Okay, so prior, uh, I love Godzilla 2014. Everybody hates it. I love that movie. I rewatched it. I think it's a fucking brilliant film. In fact, it's on my list to talk about. Uh, Maybe I'll talk it. But anyways, I love Godzilla 2014. I think it's awesome. Um, I don't, you know, have all the issues that everyone else does. Uh, The characters suck, but I think that the monster work in that film and the sense of scale that Gareth Edwards brought to that movie um, is just brilliant, and I love his sort of nihilistic – um, insanity fucking confidence with that movie. Um, and so now here we go five years, six years later, whatever we are to Godzilla King of the Monsters, right? Directed by Michael Doherty. And you know, honestly, the first time we saw it, I loved it. Um, I thought it was amazing. It never crossed my mind that it wasn't amazing until we walked out of the theater and Eric and Dana didn't like it. Yes. Uh, so this was, we went to, oh yeah, I want to talk about this. So before we sort of get into the movie, um, we went to, uh, El Paso to see it in IMAX and Eric had never seen a film in IMAX. This was my first IMAX experience. So Eric, how was it? How was IMAX? Uh, it was, it was a big screen and it was large, but it did nothing for me. Hmm. I would have been happy just seeing Godzilla here in our shit-ass theater. Blurry, dark, and out of focus. Correct. Awesome. So uh, like, if you asked me to go to another IMAX screening, it would have to be a real... It would have to be something I was like, super interested in seeing. Something that we didn't get here in Carlsbad. Right. That's sad, though. Yeah. Uh, The theater here is such a piece of shit. I mean, Correct. anything is better. But there's these two fucking ladies sitting yes. next to us. Right next to me. Who, this just happens to Keegan. Uh, they are whooping during yeah. the film, like during the fights. They're like, yep. whoa, like cheering. Literally. Okay. So like anytime Godzilla would like roar, they would like belt out yelling. It was So he, it, he'd be like, you know, fucking roaring. And they'd be like, Aah! It was so funny. And then um, there's like a part though where he falls and they were cheering. And I was like, What? You're cheering at the wrong time. It's already annoying that you're doing so, this. So so it sounds cool, right? It's like, <laughs> it oh, wasn't. it sounds raucous. What it felt like was it like, it felt like we were watching a movie like someone else's movie experience. That's what it felt like. Uh, uh, fun note, I just received a, just now on my phone, a uh, message from Saw Massacre asking, uh, what did you think of Annabelle? So, Shane. Guess what? We just recorded yeah, our <laughs> exactly. We just talked about it. No, I am about to uh, text you back. And also, I've now revealed how long ago this episode was recorded before we actually post it. It's going to take me a week to get this out, da. Fuck it, da. What's, uh, what's what's uh, what's one more body amongst foundations? I love it, da. I love it. And uh, also, uh, let's rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. So, uh, now that we're done with metaphors. Yeah. So, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, when we saw it, uh, we saw it with these two women next to me, and they were literally fucking screaming. Mm-hmm. Like... Like, it might sound cool, but like I said, it felt like we were watching someone else It wasn't else's. the whole crowd that was doing no, it. It was just too annoying but, ladies. But it also wasn't, like, cheering for, like, a second. Like, when we saw Endgame, like, people, like, clapped and then shut up, right? right? This was literally these two women screaming. Right. And they were doing this during the trailers. Like, the Hobbs yeah. and Shaw trailer came on. And they were fucking cheering during that. Yeah. And here's the worst part. This is the premiere of... Like, go to at 2 and 11 o'clock in the middle of the morning and fucking cheer, but shut the fuck up. Right. So, uh Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So, what I was saying was when we saw it, um, I liked it a lot. Uh, I liked the film a lot. I do, th- obviously... Like, I'm not blind, right? So, like, some of the screenwriting bullshit to get us to where the film needs to go is bullshit. And, like, the fact that they have, like, this device that controls monsters is, like, pretty dumb. But the purpose behind it is trying to figure out why all these monsters are around and also giving them ways to shut them off. So, like, I understand why they did it, but it doesn't exactly work, right? So, like, there's this moment early on that's not a spoiler where, like, Ghidorah rises, right? King Ghidorah comes out of the ice. And uh, Godzilla is given time to, like, actually fight him. Mm-hmm. And this is because they turn off Ghidorah's um, electricity. So I understand why screenwriting wise they they created this device so that Godzilla and the other monsters could have weaknesses for instance um, and then at the end they can't turn Ghidorah off so he's just fucking wrecking God- well never mind i don't want to i don't want to do spoilers for godzilla but um i understand do you get what i'm saying i understand why they did it mm-hmm. they were trying to give why they created weaknesses and reasons why they all appear right mm-hmm. but like we say a lot, uh, like I say a lot, just figure out a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Figure out a more interesting way in a, in a more um, sort of exciting and more satisfying way. Like, hell, just say they woke up. I mean, there's ways you can do it. Uh, just say King Ghidorah ran out of energy. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I feel like there's better ways to do it than this whole thing. But also, you need to give, right, I'm defending Godzilla right now. You need to give characters things to do. And so this is their version of making the characters matter Mm -hmm. um, and have weight and have things to do. But I agree that it doesn't ultimately all come together for those purposes. But I, I really think the film has like moments of brilliance and incredible fucking imagery and well-directed monster stuff, but it is intertwined with not the greatest film. And I, I, I do have to say that my bias is that it's Vera Farmiga and Kyle Chandler. They're literally, if you, if I had to pick 10 actors, those two would be on it uh, of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm a little biased that I just like, like them. So I understand that, but I think the film is awesome. I'm going to let you talk. I I also want to talk about the score, but I'll talk about it in a minute. I think the score, we walked out of the film and I said, I think the score is better than the movie. Like mm-hmm. that was the first thing I said. So, I don't think it's like the best movie ever, but I think it has some of the best moments ever and some of the best score uh, of the year at least. So, Eric, tell me about Godzilla: King of the Monsters. What did you think? Uh, pretty much everything you just said, but less. Uh, but like, I couldn't forgive it. Uh, you're saying you're okay that they come up with this device that they can uh, speak to uh, the titans, um, and kind of control them in a sense. And you're saying you know they needed it so they could have weaknesses. Um, I mean, everything you just said, I just wish they could have figured out another way to have presented that to us because I just came off so, uh, dumb to me. And like whenever Vera Farmiga, uh, tells us her motivation, I was just like, fuck you. I don't buy any of this. And this is a film with giant fucking monsters yeah. fighting. Well, my, my question to you, I didn't want to do this right off the bat, but my question to you is why does this not work for you, but something like Pacific Rim Uprising does, is it because Uprising is already so stupid? <laughs> Fuck you, Or God. No, I'm serious. Or is it that the film is trying to be serious in Godzilla King of the Monsters, and then it has this preposterous plot? I'm actually going to throw in another film to, get, to try to explain what I'm getting at. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, so we're discussing, we went to fucking Whataburger after the film, and we're obviously discussing it. And I said, well, maybe that's why Cloverfield works. Because it's just a giant monster movie. And you're like, no, it's not just a giant monster movie. It's uh, Rob trying Mm -hmm. to save a girl he likes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, shit, he's right. Because it's like a relatable uh, task. It's like like something maybe we've all experienced, you know, like trying to get with someone or save a loved one. Um, It just so happens to be a giant monster. And so I guess maybe with Cloverfield, that's easy to digest. But I just can't fucking digest this fucking idea of this fucking fucking machine that's gonna fucking wake them up and have them fight and not fight and turn off and then they're going to bow to one of them but not bow to the other and sure yeah no um i totally agree i mean the cloverfield thing that was why i told you that was cloverfield is the spielberg model or the stephen king model which is uh have a story a small story about people and about characters doing people things and then have something huge happened to them so that no matter what happens after that we are with these people for the ride right and and i i do agree that i think this film is like not i almost wonder if there's a longer cut that helps to like fix some of this character stuff because uh it quickly jumps into it like we 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 meet mothra's cocoon like within like 15 minutes and we've barely been introduced to like vera farmiga and um
1: 11. Eleven.
0: Yeah, from uh, Stranger Millie Things. Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. And I and I really like them in that scene, and I like them in the film, but I don't feel like we know them at all. And then this incredible shit happens to them. And then we're sort of just having to ride Except with these it. characters that we don't really know or care that much about. So I totally agree with that. And I guess with Pacific Rim, it's just... Uh uh robots fighting monsters. Sure. What else is it? Well, and I think that's my issue with 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 you not liking this at all, which is I mean is, that's stripped down to hell. Yeah, but to me when I think back to Godzilla King of the Monsters, I think of I mean the first thing I think of is uh, Mothra's theme, uh which is this incredibly rising like awesome orchestra theme for Mothra and like when she's born in like the fucking um uh waterfall, waterfall. And it's just so gorgeously shot. I I think of Godzilla doing his, um, when he's coming up to them and they're in the, they're in the submarine or whatever. Uh, no, when he's coming up to them and they're, they're in like the, the, the research facility Mm -hmm. and they open the door and it's just like that blue light. And he's just like staring at them with his eyes, uh, blue. And, um, like to me, those moments in the film, while I don't think this is the greatest movie ever, uh, I think those like rise it for me where I'm like, well, that was fucking awesome. So like, it's not the greatest character film at all. So I'm not going to say this is like the best movie of the year. It's not going to be. But to me, it blows my mind that you're not like, well, fuck those characters. The monsters are cool. So why, why is it not that for you? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what's funny is one of my favorite moments in the film uh, actually, doesn't involve any of the monsters. Uh, whenever we're first introduced to, uh, what's the main eco-terrorist guy? Jonah? Alan Jonah? Something like that? I don't know his name. And he's, he's from fucking Game of Thrones. And he kills one of the scientists. He puts his gun to his head. And whenever he fires, the scientist that he kills is standing in front of uh, a plate a pan of and glass. glass yeah. And the glass shatters. And I was like, holy shit, Like that was tight. So I don't know. I think that's just kind of telling for me that I thought. Something that didn't involve monsters in a Godzilla film was cooler than something that the giant monsters would do. Like when I think of this film, I think of, you know, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Godzilla arrives at the end and I won't spoil the film, but he arrives at the end and, um, you can feel the rumbling with the sound and Millie Bobby Brown's character like turns around and smiles at him. And then he like takes off running and the jets fly over him. And I'm like, Holy fuck. Like, Again, I don't think the film works like I agree with those things, but for me, it's like just on a pure monster level, that shit is so fucking sick. And then I also, of course, have already explained my bias, which is I like the actors in the film. So I think that helps with me, but that other shit is just so dope. And it's weird to me that you just like don't care about the monster action at all and i want to though no I, i'm not i'm not saying in a bad like way it. i i don't understand why um there's this dude i follow on instagram that i don't know in real life but he's like super into like kaiju shit uh-huh and the reason i follow him is because like he's always posting pictures of his kaiju toys and he was like super into the new godzilla so maybe i just don't get it maybe i just don't understand godzilla lore maybe maybe this is how godzilla films work hmm. i mean i do think it has a major problem of like why can't we okay so okay let me explain superhero films so in superhero films you have to have an origin story Mm -hmm. usually at the end of superhero films we get full superhero for 10 minutes and then it ends Okay. okay so you want batman 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 we where's batman where's batman 10 minutes of batman movie ends okay that's what an origin story is and those are always the most frustrating because it's like i just want the fucking batman right okay so The sequel is always the most exciting thing. So the Dark Knight. Because it's actually just Batman. We don't need an origin story, right? So it's also... I have the same problem with The Dark Knight Rises, which is the third film in that franchise. He gets sidelined. They sideline Batman for too much of the film. And we just want fucking Batman. Create a story around Batman that that works, that's cool, um, and don't sideline him for the whole film. And I think that that is a problem with this Godzilla film. Because he gets sidelined. Quite a few times. Right. But again... I feel like there's so much cool monster action. Like, again, more than 2014, where it's like, I mean, just him arriving at the ice when King Ghidorah comes out is like, that's enough for me where I'm like, well, this is fucking sick. So, I don't know. I just think it's odd that you don't like it. It's very weird. I agree with you. Usually, I'm the one going, I just need these quick little tidbits of awesomeness in a film to make it good. Yeah. Well, to me, what blows my mind is comparing it to like, uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Again, I think that if you were, if your defense was simply that film is so stupid to begin with that you're okay with how dumb the film is, then that would make sense because this is sort of tonally inconsistent in that respect where it's like trying to be serious, but it's this idiotic plot. How about this? I also think, okay, you keep saying Pacific Rim Uprising is dumb. Okay. I, 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 there are moments that are dumb. I wouldn't call the whole film dumb though. It's also like really silly. It's like the characters like taking jabs at each other and like joking and like, so, so that's what I was getting at is that so it's a dumb, silly ride. At least they're like having fun with it. Sure. While Godzilla is like the serious King of the monsters. is like the serious tone for the majority yeah. of the film. Right. So, so maybe that say, turns me off. That's what I was describing, yeah. which is this film is totally inconsistent where it's like, it, it wants to be this big, stupid, dumb thing. And when it is, it's awesome. And then when it gets serious, it's like, well, this doesn't work because this is so fucking dumb. Right. Um, but I'm saying Pacific Rim Uprising n- knows exactly what it is. So I think that's probably why you like it. But I, I don't like what Pacific Rim Uprising is. So I'm never going to watch that movie again. But I honestly think I like King of the Monsters more than I like the first Pacific Rim. Like that movie has no characters and stupid motivations. And, and I mean, I think that movie's probably better directed. Like I think Pacific Rim is pretty good, but I, I just don't, I mean, Know that I'm just like burning a hole through you right now, but, as you call. Pacific I mean, the idea Room that like stupid. Charlie Hunnam's character like is anything but just like a white dude in a wife beater, like he, his character is nothing. Like he he has borderline no emotion or motivation. What are you and, talking about? Well, the world is ending. What else do you need? Okay, well the world is ending. We made a fucking. I mean, you could say it about King of the Monsters, right? Like. What else do you need? They control the monsters. is the fucking thing. Like, that's not, I don't know. Again, it sucks because I'm defending a movie most people didn't like, so it's tough, right? Like, what am I going to say to make you like it? You're not going to like it. Uh, it just sort that of I wish I did. blows my mind. What you should be doing, Okay. so for future reference, is asking me why I like this, but not Pacific Rim Uprising. Mm. But we will move on since yes. you didn't ask me that. That was... Godzilla, Godzilla. King of the Monsters. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our ride through that because I knew that was going to be tough. Uh, Let me just say, um, my notes for Godzilla, King of the Monsters are simply score, moments of brilliance, creature design, which I thought was brilliant. And I thought it was a gorgeous movie. But really, I do want to harp on the score. Like, I really think this is one of the best scores of the year. Bear McCreary, right? Bear McCreary. And it's just brilliant use of like, like King Ghidorah's like all this fucked up, like, um, Operatic, like, uh, it's so awesome. Like, the score is better than the film. Uh, so, anyways, at least I recognize that. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Eric, what do you want to talk next? I guess Brightburn. Yes, Brightburn. You tell me what Brightburn is. Uh, so Brightburn is evil Superman. Uh, it's this dude. He has the exact same origin uh, of Superman. He's yes, an alien who crash lands in Kansas to a young couple who cannot have children. They take the ch- the child in. As a child, ages, starts uh, displaying these otherworldly powers. But instead, uh, he's going to use them uh, to kill people. Yes. And it plays out pretty much like a slasher film. But this is a slasher who can fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes. And in retrospect, having discussed everything that we've just discussed and how I've been so just kind of like, eh, about everything. I think I like Bright Me too. Like compared to like what we have been getting, I agree, feeling kind of blah towards it, I guess, uh, you know, cause like Godzilla hadn't came out yet. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh shit, Godzilla is going to be the best thing ever in the world. Totally. But since it wasn't and, and, for and me it's, and it's definitely not right. Yeah. Uh, and the same with all these other films that we've just recently talked. Now I'm kind of thinking like, Oh, Brightburn was good. Yeah. And, I totally agree. I mean, we walked out of the theater and I thought that was fucking sick and you guys were sort of... I saw this with Eric and Dana again and you guys were like more lukewarm on it and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, guys. Like, it was fucking mean spirit and fucked up. Like, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm glad to hear that you sort of came around on it because um, I think the film suffers from like its main character being a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So, the fact... Like, you, it's really, really tough to have a film that... With a main character that you're not supposed to like. Correct. And I feel like this film is really a, a very rare case of that and we don't get that a lot so i think it's hard to process because like it ends and it's not i mean we're not going to spoil it but it's not exactly a rising rousing like clap worthy ending no you're it's like, like a downer the entire exactly. time. exactly but the fact i was just sort of blown away that they were they just did that mm-hmm. like i was like fuck like what a mean spirited movie uh so i liked it mm-hmm. um and I like, you know, I think there's moments, again, like I say a lot, there's moments of brilliance in here. There's the, um, there's a diner kill uh, that I think is immersive and has really cool, um, there's something, I don't know if we want to spoil, but somebody gets something done to their eye. Mm. and um, Ocular violence. Ocular violence, exactly. There, there's two weeks in a row of ocular violence. What was the other one? Oh, what was the other one? Mm. Let me think for a sec. Okay, think for a sec. Um, and I really liked that. That scene was really well directed. There were shots uh, from uh, POV shots of the woman with her eye uh, cut, mm-hmm. and it was like blurry on the side of the screen with blood on the screen, like it was POV from her point of view. Right, um, and she's like looking around trying to find him. And and I really, I think this movie is really well directed. I think this director is going somewhere. Um, I thought it was awesome, but at the end of the day, it's almost like a short story, like it's a short story format, like almost like a Twilight Zone episode where you're like, huh, okay. And it's over, you know what I'm saying? John Wick three. Oh yeah, John Wick, which is amazing. But yeah, that's how I feel about Brightburn. Like it's sort of, um, it's almost like a huh, that was cool, right? But it's not really like a. There's not do, a lot to it. Do you, maybe you know, it's it's a cool idea. Yeah, evil Superman. Uh, you know, it's a fucking slasher movie. Uh, Patton Oswalt described it as uh, Michael Myers as Superman. Yeah. Um. So that's like that's a credit. That's a cool ass fucking idea. But I guess they. There's not much to it, though, after you like see the film. Yeah. Um, well, it's can, only, I guess they can only take that idea so far. Well, I guess until the sequel, right? And more importantly, it was only made for $7 million. Right. So this is a tiny, tiny movie that feels big. Like, you know, when we were watching it, I almost kept thinking, like, oh, it's going to get huge. It's going to get huge. Well, it can't. Right, it's made for seven million, and it feels like it. Uh, but I think it's good for what it is. Right, uh, I'm I'm happy that these small films are succeeding though, at least. Right, it didn't really succeed, but yeah. What did it make? Uh, not a lot. It didn't mass. It it, it passed seven though, right? It passed seven, but uh, I don't know if they're gonna make a sequel because it just didn't make a lot of money. Mm. Um, but I, I liked it. You know, okay. I, here here's the important Keggy question. Sure, will you buy it? You know, it's funny. I was thinking about that. I will. Uh, I'll buy. He's gonna buy. So I will buy it, but I'll buy it when it's on sale. But that's a good thing. You'll wait for Black Friday. I'll wait for Black Friday. But I waited for Black Friday last year on Good Movies too. So I like Brightburn. Um, Again, I don't want to make it sound like it's like a great, great, great film. But uh, I love how mean-spirited it is. I mean, the the ending is so, like, fucked up. And like, yeah. In a sea of blah, I've come around. Yeah. And I think it was a tough release time, like, right after fucking Endgame. Wasn't it supposed to come out? Originally, like last Thanksgiving, yeah, Yeah. it was going to be premiered at uh, Comic Con, and then the whole thing went down with James Gunn, so they like delayed it. Um, I think it was a horrible release date for that movie. Brightburn should have came out like February, hundred percent. I think it would have killed it. You know, yeah, that's a perfect January February movie. Mm -hmm. So Brightburn, we both like it, correct? Okay, what's next? Do we got anything else big theatrical? I don't think we have any more theatrical. We do have stuff to talk together though. Let's do the perfection. Let's do the perfection. Okay, uh, this is a Netflix Netflix original film with uh, what's her first name? Uh, Bryant Gumble. No, uh, something Williams. The girl from Girls. Allison Williams. Allison Williams. Right. Uh, I had to process this film. Like I watched it and I was like, okay, this is good. But and then after like a day, I was like, okay, I really did like this. What did you think? Yeah, so The Perfection. Um, this is a Netflix film, like you said. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to try to explain it, or do we care? Oh, e we'll give it a shot. Sure, give it a shot. Because this is what edoc fucking does. Okay. You're, you're uh, just so good at Alice fucking Williams, Dosh. She's this renowned-ass fucking violinist. She goes to school How to be- How do you remember this so easily? Be, you're so good. To be a fucking uh, renowned-ass fucking violinist, but then her mom gets real sick, and she got to drop out the game, and she's like- um, Real bummed about it. And eventually her mom dies. And during this time when she got out of the violinist game, there's a new girl who's getting even better who's studying under the same teacher that Allison Williams was originally studying under. And the film initially presents her as being bitter. Yes. About it. About she's no longer the star violinist. So Allison Williams reaches out to the teacher, and the teacher welcomes her, says, yes. you know, come hang out with us again. Come meet. My new protege. And they do. And they start to fall in love. And it seems like Alison Williams has got um, a bone to pick with the new protege that she's going to go after. But things are what they turns see. are bound. That's right. And it's like every 15 minutes the film's like, we showed you one thing, but we're going to show you another. Yeah. Is that fair? I think that's fair. And I was okay with it. I was okay with okay. You're gonna show me from a new perspective of what's really going on. Yeah. You're you're pulling my leg the entire time, but I guess I'm okay with um, having my leg pulled. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Eric. That was great. Um, For me, the perfection felt like a. I mean, okay. Here's my lifetime rated R film. And and my notes. My notes are. Let's just do my notes. Fuck it. My notes notes for the perfection. It wouldn't be a goal squad without you. Are you ready? Scammy. Scammy. Okay. Non-linear for no reason. Okay. Okay. Feels re-edited to be saved. Okay. Kind of an allegory for institutions failing kids. Okay. And then Me Too, which I guess we'll probably talk about. Okay. Literally, I put eh, E-H. Really? And then I put gimmicky. Really? Yeah, so this I was like for like... See, oh, okay, so I liked it, but you I just said gimmicky. I thought it was gimmicky. fine, but this is, I guess, it's kind of like for like old people who don't give a shit who have Netflix. Yeah. It's is so- that fair? Yeah, I agree. And for me, I felt like the film uh the script seemed to like think it's smarter than it is. Mm. So like this is the type of movie that you would think, "Oh, Keegan would like because it's like smart and like uh nonlinear and like you know, this is advanced screenwriting." But I feel like this is like bad like advanced screenwriting. Okay. This is like, "Oh, how can we like how can we make this a more complicated story so it plays out like much more suspenseful?" And I feel like it doesn't work because like you're saying it's sort of lifetimey mm-hmm. in its in its storytelling. And the fact that it's lifetimey, but then with this like overcomplicated, um, like I said, sort of scammy, gimmicky, linear uh, nonlinear storytelling where it's like, Well, you thought the film was about this, but now it's about this. And this happens about six times in the film. Literally like six or seven times. And, and by the end I was just kinda like, I, I didn't think it sucked. I, I was like, Okay, that was fine. I felt it played its hand too much. I literally But I stayed with it on its journey. When it was over, I was kinda like, ah, eh, fuck you. Right. But, That's fair. but I, I, I 100% see that. But when I say that, I do not want to imply fuck you like it was bad. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is a competent film, but like you said, this is for like people that don't watch genre films. Correct. This would be like oh, mind blowing God. to exactly. them. Exactly. That's how I felt about it. This for me felt like my genre films, but light. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. But, but what did you think? Anything else? Uh, I liked it. I just felt like. Um There was too many twists for me, even though I stayed with it, Yeah, even though I was on board with it the entire time. Um, And pretty much everything you just said, that it's it's for, like, people who don't watch genre shit. Yeah. To be blown away by. Yeah, I totally agree because it's, like, to me – well, this is, like, fake genre to me. Okay. Um, But I still thought it was okay. There were some – yeah, go ahead. Uh, And I will say – um, it does seem to sort of grasp at like a Me Too allegory. It sure does. And and I like, you know, of course I like that aspect. I love, you know, metaphor and film. I love um, visual storytelling, allegory stuff. I love that. But for me, this just felt like, again, allegory, metaphor, light. Like it was like, right. you know, well, guys, this is kind of like Me Too. And it's like, eh, okay. Like not really. I don't really think that you achieve that. I don't really think you deserve to be, I just don't think it's that smart. That's fair. But I, I did think it was fine. Is that it for the perfection? That's it for the perfection. Well, thanks, Tom. Yeah. I, I liked it. I liked it, but I... Don't give I fuck. I, I kind of didn't like it. Mm. So, anyways, perfection. How about this? How about this? I enjoyed the ride watching it. Right. Like, it was fun. It's, it's a ride film. Like, I, I don't want to... I'm not trying to be a dick by saying it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But then when it was over... Not because of the twist. Like the twist, I don't give a shit about that. Like people are like, oh, the twist ruined the movie for me. It was more so the structure and the way the film was just like kind of like, like you said, like I'm not this, I'm this. And it's like, ah, whatever. I wonder if it would have worked in long form storytelling. Well, Like episodic instead of just like, you know, 120 minutes. That's a great point. That may have been easier to digest. I wonder if it would have worked as a linear story. Oh, yeah. You know, like if we just saw what played out. I guess I, I yeah, I think it would because we like revenge tales. That's what I was thinking. We like female powerful driven revenge tales. Yeah, I think it would have worked linear. And like I said I, I almost sort of feel like it was re-edited to be more interesting. Hmm. Um so anyways, perfection. So, we have another Netflix net Fuck me. We have another Netflix film to talk about. <clears throat> you probably forgot about this. We don't have to talk a lot about it. I don't see any. It's called like Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. Ooh, you take this one, G. Sure. So, uh, this is the Ted Bundy film, and it's on Netflix. The reason I want to talk it is because um, I really liked this movie, and this is the type of film you might think Keegan's going to fucking hate that movie. I thought it was a snooze fest. I liked it a lot. Um, I really think Lily Collins and Zach Efron do a great job. Uh, I, I I really bought their relationship and I wanted them to succeed, okay. but I know he's Ted Bundy. Right. And I really thought that that worked. Um, I would have preferred the film to go full insanity and show us him killing people. But I guess this is like post-murder though, right? He's I mean, killing he's, he's people during this. Right. But a lot of the film takes place with him incarcerated. That and also like that's not what this film is about. Uh and and that was what I found brilliant, which is this is based on her book, apparently. Correct. And I think this is a brilliant way to tell a story, which is just simply from his girlfriend slash sort of wife, uh, her perspective. Mm-hmm. And I I honestly found it I really liked this movie. Like I thought it was really good. And I that might be surprising. I didn't give a fuck. I really liked it. I liked seeing I wanted them to succeed because I thought they did such a great job. I'm like, yeah, but like He can't be bad, but I know it's fucking Ted Bundy. And so for those reasons, I feel like it's successful that it's like, oh shit, uh, I want her to be with this fucking serial killer because he's such a manipulative piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And I thought they did a great job portraying that. Um, And so for whatever reason, I liked the Ted Bundy movie. Okay. And I I honestly clicked play like, oh shit. Okay. I'm probably going to shit on this. I only watched it because Melissa wanted to watch it. I liked it too. Yeah, uh, you know it's not very horror, no. but it is Ted Bundy. Okay, yes. So I liked it. I guess we're supposed to like those things. I wanted to like. I wanted. I wanted to say I liked something because I feel like. I, well, I liked Godzilla, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, and Brightburn. So, anyways, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. I liked that film, and uh, I was surprised by it. So, I honestly think we are going to now diverge into uh, singles. Okay. So, let's see. Oh, I forgot my Child's Play comment. God damn it. My Child's Play fucking notes uh, were about the better version that I laid out for you. Do you remember? Okay, so flashback to Child's Play, the okay. new film. Yes, uh, I'm there. I said I I almost wish that the, the, the ending of the new Child's Play, which spoilers that this is not the ending for it. So, it's not spoilers, but this is not the ending of Child's Play, which is that... I almost wish that the, end of, that the end of the film revealed that Chucky never did anything. He was just a doll. Oh, that would have been amazing. And that Andy was actually killing people, and it was like the birth of a serial killer. That would have been – it would have been my number one film probably. Wouldn't that have been awesome? That would have been incredible. But instead, it's just like, oh, there's drones with knives. Right. It's an evil robot. Yeah. So, anyways, that's Child's Play. Eric, go first. What okay. do you want to talk first? I'm going to go with uh, Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. Oh, we do uh, have other things to talk, but that's okay. We can... Twilight Zone, what we do in the shadows. Go ahead, Eric. Okay. Uh, so. This is exciting. I was super excited for this film. Uh, zombies is my favorite subgenre. And this is? The Dead Don't Die. Uh, this stars Bill Murray and uh, Adam Driver. And uh, they are. It's. Uh, Bill Murray, Adam Driver, and Chloe. Drawing a blank on her last name. Uh, Seventy. Seventy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, this is directed by Jim Jarmusch. Is not Jarmouche. I think people say it both ways. Definitely. Okay, great. Uh, so they are the police force. I, I want you to say it again. Jarmusch. Okay. Uh, Jim Jarmusch also did uh, Ghost Dog. Yep and uh only lovers left alive correct that uh vampire movie with uh tom hiddleston yes yeah so uh the dead don't die um they uh as i just said these three actors they are the police force in a very small town called centerville um uh the population is super fucking uh small where um bill murray he can just like sleep all night Uh, in a fucking jail cell. You know, he doesn't have to worry about a call coming through, you know, something bad uh, happening. So you learn that there is polar fracking going on and it's causing the earth to spin in an opposite rotation. And it's just having all these adverse effects on planet earth. For example, the uh, sun and the moon are staying up longer than they should, as well as the dead returning. They don't die they don't die well uh they come back from the grave so it's a little bit uh return of the living Deadish. you know there's you know scenes where there's literally hands coming out of the grave uh in a cemetery and even though it's literally the dead coming back to life uh it, they never have much concern right um and it's this attitude the film maintains for its entire runtime it's dry as hell Dry as hell duh. Uh, I guess maybe the correct term is deadpan. Yeah. Um I, I heard that it feels directionless. That's fair to say. Because it's like even though you have zombies around you, they're not showing any real concern. Concern. Right, exactly. So what did you think of the film? I did like it, but unfortunately, just like, not love. Okay. Um The film finally climaxes it when the film Colmaxes. Colmax is climax. Yeah. You said that on the last episode. I do. Remember. Call called a callback. Um, so when the film finally reaches its, you know, climax, it finally decides to be a zombie movie. It finally decides to have them fighting zombies. And it was like, oh, this is really good. But unfortunately, it's at the very end okay. of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's great about it is this amazing fucking cast. In addition to the people I just named. Don't name all the cameos. Oh, well, these aren't cameos. These okay. are like people. They're in the film. Unfortunately, what you saw in the trailer—I've never watched the trailer. Oh, yet. good, because I was going to say this is one of those. Because I want to see the film. Oh, good, because this is one of those films where, like, what you saw in the trailer, like you saw all the cool stuff already. That sucks. Um, okay, so Larry Fessenden has a has a fair sized role in it. Your man, and it's amazing to see him, Bill Murray and Adam Fucking Driver just like cutting it up together. If it was moments if, like that where I was Eric like, "This fancy is fantastic," men. He would be with Larry Fist. I'm like, holy shit. uh, This is uh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, So in addition to its uh, dry fucking sense of humor, there's also moments where it breaks the fourth wall. And that kind of killed it for me. Um, I feel like if you're going to break the fourth wall, it should be like Deadpool where it's just 100% instead of just like a few like uh, wink winks. Do you feel that way about funny games? Uh, I feel like Funny Games goes harder on breaking the fourth wall than something like The Dead Don't Die. It only does it like two or three times, but yeah. Um, So while I like The Dead Don't Die, um, there was nothing to be excited about. Hmm. Well, that's that's disappointing, yeah. I love zombie films. Yeah. Yeah. But I did like it for sure. Well, cool. I wonder when we'll ever get to fucking see that because you saw it at the draft house. Uh, I assume it's going to get a blue, right? Probably, but I'm not going to buy that shit. Yeah. So uh <laughs> I'm just fucking around. Uh thank you for that Eric. Yep. What's next for me? Uh I've got a bunch of boring shit. Um but I do have something I am excited to talk about. Okay. And uh it's not exactly horror so I'm not going to go too long on it. But um I watched all 5 hours uh of Chernobyl on HBO. And um there were a lot of articles coming out about this about how this is the most love- Lovecraftian um horror film with no Lovecraft mm. and what they, with this article, I think it was the verge, uh, unfortunately, but, uh, someone wrote this article and it kind of, it kind of sparked me because it was what I was trying to explain to people, which is, um, this show. Okay. So this show is about, uh, the Chernobyl, uh, nuclear power plant disaster. Okay. So I've been in like, you know, I hate when people say this, but, like, I've been fascinated by Chernobyl for a long time. Um, do you remember the Chernobyl Diaries back in, like, oh, 2010, maybe? Uh, the guy who did Paranormal Activity yes, produced? Yes. yes. I did you see it? it? I did see it. Yeah. Uh, I have a rating for it on uh, Splatterflix, but let's not talk nice. about that. Um, I want to say I might have reviewed it on my website back in the day. I do remember the film. Yeah. So... Uh, anyways this is about this is a true story about obviously the Chernobyl uh, power plant disaster and its nuclear power nuclear disaster and um, you know it's told super uh, basically I'll just get to my tweet this is Peak bleak TV so this is I mean there's like characters telling this story uh yeah or it's like a documentary yeah so so it's narrative okay so there's you know um, there's like six main characters. And one of them is a scientist that's trying to fix the issues. Uh, a couple of them are the people that were in the plant when it blew up. One of them is one of the plant workers wife. Uh, one of them is another scientist trying to help. One of them is uh, the head of the Soviet Union like science department trying to help them fix it. Are they using accents? So that's what's cool about this is they decided just not to use Russian accents. So all of them like Stellan Skarsgård is one of the main characters. Uh, fuck what's his name? Um Oh, I don't want to fuck his, I can't remember his name. Really good actors are in this show. Uh, and Jared Harris, I got it. Jared Harris is in it. He's the main character. And the the, the show starts with Jared Harris uh, hanging himself and leaving like these notes for people to find. And he hangs himself. And he's like, Chernobyl is the result of lies and what lies can cost. And like he hangs himself. and th- And then that's literally the beginning of the show. But then we flash back to before he hangs himself and Chernobyl occurs and what it's about, what the show is largely about is like the government lying and not telling people the truth. And so much so because they don't want to be embarrassed because the Soviet Union was insane. And so what one of the things in the show is uh, you want a country that's obsessed with not being embarrassed ...to embarrass itself. So they lie a lot and people get fucked up. But let's get to the horror. So what is so cool is obviously the power plant explodes, right? This nuclear disaster. And you get these this insane... What I love about the show is just existential dread. So what happens when you're a fucking exposed to that much radiation, you're just fucked. Like your skin falls off, your face falls off, like you just start bleeding internally... And if you don't, you're going to die within, like, five years. So, like, even if you were just nearby the power plant, you do not have to be in it. You're going to die in five years of cancer. Um, So, I love Existential Dread. And then just, like, the filmmaking of this is so fucked up. Like, you just need to see it. But, okay, for instance, one of the things that's in it is... So, this power plant explodes and there's pieces of the reactor on this roof. And in order to contain this disaster, they must get pieces of the reactor off the roof back into the reactor, so off this ledge, okay? So picture this roof. And so they try to have robots do it, but the robots uh, react to the nuclear uh, material. They break down instantly because it's so fucking radioactive. So in real life, they actually had what they called organic robots, which is simply just people of the Soviet union that they drafted in and they suited him up and gave him 90 seconds on the roof. So there's this scene called 90 seconds on the roof. And what it is, is these dudes, just people walking out with regular shovels and picking up, scooping up pieces of the nuclear reactor, which by this time in the show, you've been described. If you're near for a second, you're dead and throwing it over this wall for 90 seconds straight and then running back in. And, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant show. It's brilliant filmmaking. And it's brilliant just dread, existential dread about cancer, about lies, about fucking nuclear reactors blowing up, about fucking, uh it's just amazing. And it's all told, like, I, I told my brother, I said, I want to watch Chernobyl because I love over-serious bullshit. That's what this is. It's just over-serious as fuck, just bleak, people's fucking faces falling off, fucking, it's awesome. Um you are uh one of many people now i've heard say that it's just amazing that yes. it's incredible and so my question to you and it's a dumb one how long are the episodes an hour okay That's it's tolerable. 5 hours long now the thing is you need to you, you need to buy in because just know there's like incredible and here's what's weird like Wouldn't who you say people's faces falling off is it gore yeah, okay. it's disgusting. Awesome. There's several... But, I can't believe I said awesome but, but it's real. It's real. And the thing is, you have to remember, it's sort of more medical-driven. So, like, they'll be in a hospital bed and they'll just be, like, bleeding and just disgusting and shit. But, um, and, you know, of course, because it actually happened, you're not like, fuck yeah. You're like, ooh, right. that sucks. Right. That's fucked but up. you're right that... it it sort of scratches that horror itch because it's gory. It's disgusting. Um, there's this whole, there's this whole plot of these miners that have to dig under the reactor to cool it down. Otherwise, if it, if they don't cool the reactor down, that's exploded, it's going to melt through the earth into a water table and explode. And when it explodes, it's going to be a nuclear explosion that basically puts all of the Soviet union into a nuclear winter for like a hundred years. I think you just described the climax of Pacific Rim Uprising. Well, there you go. (laughs) So um, I want to watch it. It sounds great. No, it's awesome. Here's the problem. Me trying to explain it on a horror podcast, it's like you're saying it's about the Soviet Union lies and it's like Lovecraftian. You just have to see it because when you – the show is the best I've ever seen at illustrating nuclear terror – where, like, when we think of radiation, we're like, oh, that's not going to happen to me. Which like, is funny because we live, like, 20 miles literally from a place where they bury nuclear, nuclear radiation waste. waste. Yeah. That's right. And it's called WHIP. if you want to look it up. And uh, I thought of that a lot. I thought of how people just, now I'm just terrified to watch it. Now yeah. I don't want to watch it. Well, here's the thing. Whip doesn't actually deposit nuclear material. Whip deposits stuff that's come into contact with nu- nuclear material. So it's, it's mostly like gloves and like barrels and stuff. But it, there's not actually nuclear material like uranium or plutonium or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I'm done with Chernobyl. You guys just need to watch this fucking thing. Um, and I love, here's what's so weird to me. I had to look up who did this. It's written by like, Craig Mazin and uh, some director I've never heard of. And dude, this thing is fucking amazing. Like whatever these guys do next, I'm on board. Because uh, it has this uber dread score where like they'll, they'll walk out like, well, the, the roof isn't scored. 90, minute, 90 seconds on the roof isn't scored. But, like, they'll be going down into the reactor room, like, after it blew up. Because everyone's saying, in the show, all the characters are like, it didn't blow up. Do they give an answer as to why yes. it blew up? Yes, yes. And it's real. All of it's, well, as much as we know. Uh, and what, it's, just, it's just, it's amazing because it blows up. The reactor explodes. And everyone is in such denial on this episode. They're all like, it didn't blow up. And they're like, no, I saw it blew up. It exploded. And they're like, it's impossible. There's no way for one of these reactors to explode. And they're like, dude, it exploded. And so a lot of the characters go, they're like, well, you need to go look at the reactor to see if the core is intact. And there's these scenes where they'll like look over this wall and look down into this pit. And it's 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 the nuclear reactor on fire. But uh, the score like pipes up and it's like, oh. And it's like, drrr, and it's fucking, you see this core on fire and their face is fucking turning red and, and they're bleeding. And I'm like, fuck me. Um, if you like nuclear, uh, story stories, uh, this is a real one that is absolutely fascinating and one of the most terrifying five hours of terror television I've ever watched. So that was my best at saying on a horror podcast, Please. Watch Chernobyl. Now again, you'll get a lot of scenes of diplomats and stuff, and it is about lies. But then it'll just intercut with like the most terrifying scenes of uh, nuclear shit. So Chernobyl, watch it. It's on HBO. It's amazing. I'm gonna try to follow that up, please, uh, with the film that I wish to champion. That sounds great, by the way. It's awesome. I want to watch it, but I'm but I know it's not straight horror. uh, You'll know when you see the scenes, and you're like, "This is one of the most terrifying things ever." It sounds terrifying, which you just described. Um, like picture walking in a room and just bleeding on the inside because you're too close to radiation. It's insane. Um, I watched the first episode of too Old to Die Young*, that Nicholas okay. Winding reference, uh, Amazon Prime uh, TV show that just started. Yes. Each episode's range between sixty to ninety minutes. I could just watch a film. Is it bleak? It's yes. Oh, I I need to watch it. Watch the first episode. Okay. Miles Teller plays a great great asshole. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stick with that. Uh, I'm going to try to follow up how great you just described uh, Chernobyl with a film that I want to most champion uh, for this particular episode. Let's hear it now. This is a film that I'm pretty sure I'm in the minority for liking for two reasons. One, I haven't heard anybody fucking say anything about this film. And two, people hate this director. All right. And what's funny is uh, he's three for three. For me now, but people hate this fucking guy. And I'm talking about, it's a Netflix original, MCG's Rim of the World. McG! McG, have you heard of this fucking movie? Yeah, it's McG's Stranger Things, but bad. Uh, I'm pretty sure I loved it, duh. Really? I fucking loved Rim of the World. Now wait, let's talk about McG's other films. Okay, and the other (laughs) two films that he's, that I like. Your favorite Terminator film in the franchise. It's not my fucking favorite Terminator film of the franchise, but I really like T4, and I really like The Babysitter. So okay. Mick G is. The babysitter is tight by the way. Okay, you know, I haven't seen fucking Charlie's Angels, but I'm just like not interested in that. Okay. So anyways, I'm pretty I'm glad you said that uh, about Stranger Things cuz I feel like that's probably how they pitched it like yeah. this is Stranger Things the movie. Oh, we didn't we I I don't want to interrupt. We forgot to mention that with Child's Play, which is like it felt like towards the end of that film they're like, "Uh, I don't know, Stranger Things kind of." Right, cuz it's a group of kids. Yeah. Fuck you. Go ahead. Okay, so Rim of the world, rim of, the world. Rim of or your world, rim of the world, or Stranger Things the movie. It's about these four kids who go to outdoor camp, and you know each one, of course, is you know the misfit, the outsider, the bu- the you know the kid that gets bullied, the one that doesn't get along. So, uh, kind of spoilerish, um, this lady crashes in this like super small. Uh, I'm just gonna call it a spaceship. And she gives the main kid this key. And what this key is, it's coordinates, like if they turn this machine on, uh, it's coordinates to where this mothership, this alien mothership is in outer space so that, um, you know, army forces could fire upon it. So the kids are forced into this world that's being uh, currently taken over by aliens to try to find this fucking army base so they can turn this key. Yes, um, It's complete bullshit. Because, you know, it's these four kids uh, surviving this world. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it sounds no more bullshit than, like, the Goonies. But that's what I loved yeah. about it. It's a fucking kids' adventure monster movie. And the alien monster design is fantastic. Uh, it's this big motherfucker. So, it's like, you know, it's like UFOs and shit. There's, like, parts where you see, like, jets fighting UFOs. But it's primarily this one huge, like, maybe seven, eight-foot-tall monster with fucking four arms and... And his mouth opens, like, not only up and down, but also left and right. Yeah, like the Predator kind of? Yes. And so he's the one who's like... Or, or Blade 2. Yes. And he's the one who's primarily in pursuit of uh, these kids. And so, of course, you know, over the course of the film, the kids start bonding. They realize they each have value to bring to the table of how they can get the key to where it needs to go. Um, there was no way I wasn't going to like this movie. Uh, cool monster design, kids' adventure... Are the kids good? The kids are great. Nice. Awesome. Uh, I loved it. Uh, There's a scene where you learn that the aliens' genitals are in their mouth, and there's a real funny scene. It's, like, bullshit like this, where it's, like, the the, the genitals go into, like, one of the kids' mouth, and it's just, like, stupid, dumb shit like this. There's, like, montages of them, like, driving to, like, an NWA song. It's, like, bullshit. Like, I loved it. Nice. I fucking loved it. Uh, But, again, like, I feel like – I don't want to say it was made for me. But like that's the shit I like. I like it. I like Stranger Things. Yeah. I like Stand by Me. That's what it is. It's I just do, a I bullshit do too. kids adventure. Kids on they ride bikes. Yeah. It's kids on bikes fighting aliens. You know me. Look, I'm the Super Eight guy from way back, right? I love it's kids super, on bikes. Yes, that's what it, it's that's all. I love that genre. What's but the name of this genre? Kids on bikes. We call it kids on bikes. I love it. Uh, kids in peril. Kids in adventure. Kids. Yes. Um, my concern was that it was McG like trying to tread on uh, Stranger Things. Uh, so it didn't feel like that. You liked it. I mean, I, sh- I thought Stranger Things like immediately. Well, no, it's not that. It's like because you know how It works, right? Sure. Like the new It works, even though it is uh, kids on bikes mm-hmm. after Stranger Things, because mm-hmm. it's its own thing. Is oh. Rim of the World its own thing? Hundred percent. Nice. Okay. Um, there was even thoughts that there was even moments where I was like, oh shit, this is even kind of Cloverfieldish. Nice. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who likes Rim of the World. Shit, I loved it. I want to watch it. Uh, terrible title and mcg yeah i know it's a tough bargain i don't expect anybody to watch it you know who likes mcg aside from me. joe lynch oh okay big mcg guy well i feel like they like <laughs> directors like that like who did battleship oh uh well i like peterberg 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 was uh in, uh responsible for uh friday night lights and i like that mm-hmm.
1: show well, that's so cool though. That, Rim I, of the I, world.
0: I, I recommend Rim of the world. Like my strongest recommendation, but I just feel like everyone would like, I feel like I wouldn't say that uh, on Twitter. Right. You don't want to. Like I, like, I feel like. You don't like, want to be exposed I, for I, the fraud that you are. I feel like I would get attacked. Right. For saying that I like Rim of the world. You would be a Rim fraud. Of the world. Yeah. Which sucks because it's a fucking fun movie. No, no, I love it. I, I'm going to watch it now. Please I got to see it. It. Please do. Yeah. So that was. That was Mick G's Rim of the world. Mick G. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know it's funny because the babysitter is cool, but I feel like we watched um, what is that fucking holiday movie called? That's the same movie. Holiday movie. deck the halls or what? What is that? Better shit? watch out. Better watch out. And I felt like better watch out was a better babysitter. Mm. Um, I think that film was like really cool because uh, of how like fucked up and mean that movie is. Where like babysitter's like edge lord meme, like right? Fuck you, you know. Uh, okay, so. My next thing. What you got, G? Uh, I'm going to talk. Mm, well, I'll just talk Happy Death Day to you. Oh, okay. I got this on here. Yeah. So I rewatched uh, Happy Death Day to you. And uh, it was funny because I felt like after it came out, uh, Happy Death Day to you is the sequel to Happy Death Day, which we loved. Uh, Eric liked more than me, and but I loved it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's funny. When I saw it, I loved Happy Death Day to you. I think it's one of the best movies of the year. And then there was this weird reaction from horror fans where they're like, "Well, it's not horror." And I was like, "Okay, but like, was the movie good?" Like I like horror too, but like I I think this is a really fucking good movie and a really good sequel and a take on Back to the Future and a lot of those things, but also just a sweet film just like the first one. And I love that it doesn't I love that these films just don't mind being like overly sentimental. And that just appeals to me, like the all her stuff with her mom. I just think is brilliant, and they use that to like they turn that up to like a million with uh, this movie with Happy Death Day to you, uh, and I really like that. I like the choice, you know, do I want this reality or that reality? Because do I want this person or that person? Um, I think that's awesome. So I really like Happy Death Day to you. I, re- I rewatched it, and uh, I liked it just as much. I cried. So there you go. And uh, Eric, what about it? I'm happy to say I was wrong. I was one of the naysayers. Yeah, big surprise. Uh, Fuck you, duh. Uh, After I initially watched it. But after a revisit, I've watched it twice now. Yeah. uh, Since it's uh, dropped on blue. So I've seen it three times. Uh, It's great. I really, really like it. Uh, It's sweet. And I like how both films are sweet, but each one has like lessons to be learned. So I like how... They managed to uh, stay sweet but teaching us something new. Yeah. Uh, how to be yeah. a better person. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I was one of the persons per- that said like oh it's not enough horror in it but then when I watched it the second time I didn't feel that way at all. It yeah. feels like a slasher to me. You know now it's just keeping the slashers alive now we're getting this and then we're getting fucking the Black Christmas uh, Oh remake, yeah. remake. Yeah. again. And then Halloween sequel finally. Like, Hopefully. Crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah for me I it- you know, I will say, I don't, I mean, I'll just say how I feel. I don't think it's horror at all. Like, I just don't think it's a horror film, but I'm okay with that. I like sci-fi. Right. I like stuff like this, and I love um, these characters, mainly Tree, and then I like her boyfriend, but Tree, I just think she's, like, brilliant. That actress carries these uh, films. When she wakes up on the same day for the first time, and she's just, like, screaming at everybody, yeah. that's great. And and I love her. Like, I think, like I said, she carries both of these movies, and and she just brings something really, really good and, and also um, relatable somehow to like the stuff with her parents um, in both films. Where like in the first film, yes, it's about her mom, but it's also about like confronting her dad about things mm-hmm. and being a better person, like you said. And she does brilliantly in the second film, just, again, I don't want to spoil, but things about her mom. And uh, I just love the sense of discovery in the sequel where it's like you don't know exactly what's coming. And it feels new and fresh, even though it's kind of the sequel you would probably expect from the second movie. But it didn't feel like that to me. And, uh, yeah, I just like how sweet it is. I I cried and loved it. And I just think it's really good. And I think it's weird that, like, people are just, like, turning their nose to it for whatever reason. Um, I didn't even feel like a lot of people that we know saying, like, oh, it was awesome, you know. Um, Where I feel like the first one was, like, championed. Like, everybody's like, oh, it's so fucking awesome. And then, like, no one gave a shit about the sequel. People will come around i agree um melissa her daughter and i we double featured happy death day to you and the final girls nice though that's brilliant brilliant pairing um, they are both slashers that deal with the loss of a parent yes uh and big surprise that you and i like those mm-hmm. um i made my brother and his wife uh ben and sarah shout out uh watch this i wa- we watched both of them at, at his house and they loved him They loved them. So, I mean, I think these movies are awesome. I think they're... back-to-back or just on different types? Not um, back-to-back. A couple months apart. But it's funny because I really feel like uh, these are... Like your tree? No. I really feel like these are... Even though the first film was celebrated... Do you want me to start calling you Key? uh, Like, these are like underrated gems. Like, these aren't just... I love Happy... Both of them. They're great. No, I know. I know. But, like, even... Okay. I I wanna put out there, I understand horror fans know these, so I'm not saying they're like no one knows what they are. Right. But I feel like these are underrated great films. Where it's like not like Brightburn where it's like, oh, no one saw Brightburn and it's pretty cool. I think these two movies are amazing. So Uh, that's my Happy Death Day to You rewatch. I don't like uh, that idea that they present in the like post-credit scene of Happy Death Day to you. But fucking give me three duh. But also like if we go on that journey as long as the journey goes with the characters that we like... Right, yeah. Um, I'll eat it up. 100%. So, that is Happy Death Day to you. Eric, what's another thing? I'm just going to rattle shit off. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, as I said, uh, I've I watched this shit. I don't really fucking remember some of it. Uh, I've been going through a musical phase. Okay. and West I, Side Story? I did watch West Side Story. Oh, did you like it? I did like it's it. It's awesome. Uh, which is cool because... I'm sure you're stoked that Spielberg's remaking it for next year. Yes. Uh but uh, With horror, Ansel Elgort? Yes. Uh that's from Baby Driver. Um so two horror musicals that I recently watched was um Oh, I'm drawing a blink on his name. He did Saw 2, 3, and 4. Darren Lynn Bousman. I saw Repo, the genetic opera, and I did not give a shit about this stuff. Okay. Uh, But then I watched Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd with Johnny Depp, and I thought it was fantastic. Great movie. Um, I saw The Prodigy, which was a film from earlier this year. play my game. Insane. Insane. The Prodigy? The band? Um, You know what The Prodigy is, right? Smack my bitch up. Yeah the the singer killed himself this yeah. year. Yeah okay, but you're looking at me like I'm fucking insane. Yep. You said the Prodigy. That was the name of the fucking movie, right? You know I haven't seen it yet. It's really good. I want to see it. Okay. Don't so, don't. Uh, okay. Spoil anything. Okay, I'm gonna try tiptoe around it. Okay. He's okay. tiptoeing. Okay, in okay it's in a killer jardins, tiptoeing in my jaw. So <laughs> it's it's a killer kid movie, The Prodigy, and I'll leave it at that. But the kid's motivation. I feel like I haven't seen that in a movie. Okay, cool. And I was like, "Whoa!" This it really knocked my socks off. This knocked your socks off. And there's a part where it gets kind of fucked up. And I paused it to text you. Like, I'm watching The Prodigy right now. Yeah. And so uh, I've heard that the that it gets way more fucked up than you expect. Uh, yes. But don't tell me. Don't I tell me. I mean, I, and, I, and I assume if you've seen The Prodigy, then you probably know which scene I'm talking about because it involves children and it's just fucked up. Yep. Okay. So, Edox just going to keep them rattling. I watched fucking Bloody Murder, which was like that 3000 uh, camp slasher. I used to always see like the cover of this movie. It's like this terrible ass fucking shitty ass fucking cover of like a Sound dude like in a hockey saw? mask. Okay, no. Uh, they fucking did two of them somehow. And he's like holding a chainsaw. It's just like direct TV. Generic direct, trash. Yeah. Uh, And I just remember, like, that was a cover I would always see. I thought I needed to see it for our Camp Slasher sequel uh, uh, episode. And boy, was I wrong. Uh, Trevor Morehouse. Some bullshit. Uh, I rewatched The Mutilator thinking it was a Camp Slasher. It's not, but it's just a good fucking fun slasher. You say it's good? The Mutilator. It's a beach slasher. You don't like The Mutilator? We're going on a fall break. Okay. Uh, So I love the song. I love the kills. But the film... Oh, yeah, I like okay. I liked Mutilator. Well, wait, wait. I want to be clear. I'm not shitting on the Mutulator. I think it's awesome. Okay. Movie, not that great. Great song, great kills. Okay. Yep. And gore. We're going to keep it rolling. Yep. Uh, I watched this Sergio Martino uh, gilo called All the Colors of the Dark, and I have in parentheses hereditary. Because there's a plot device in All the Colors of the Dark that's used in Hereditary, but I don't fucking remember it because it's been so fucking long since I've seen this movie. But I remember it being tight. Uh, next, I saw Pandorum. This is with Ben Foster. I really, really like Ben Foster. Do you like Ben Foster? I like Ben Foster. I'm blown away that you didn't remember this coming out. This is 2009. Yeah, and you're like, oh, it's a. I never heard of it. The reason I, you know what, I remember that fucking cover though, where it's like yep. wires coming out of yep. an arm. Uh, the reason I watched Pandorum is because uh, Timo Timo Janto. Timo! Actually, it's just Timo Tejanto. I don't know where I got the second Timo from. Tejanto! Yeah. Okay, so I follow him on Twitter, and he's great about uh, coming up with these threads about, like, underseen or... Yeah. uh, uh, What's the word you just used for Happy Death Day? Underrated, Jen? Underrated, right. And so he did one of films that came out in 2000. Okay? And this was one of them. And the way he described it just had me the fuck on Pandorum. Board. He called it, yes, he called it the closest we'll get to a Dead Space movie and I'm like, "Oh shit. If you don't know, Dead Space is a horror sci-fi uh video game um where you fight alien monsters." And so I'm like, "Oh shit, I'm on board for fucking Pandorum." Have you seen Pandorum? I haven't. I never okay. did see it. So fucking Pandorum, uh, Earth's resources have been depleted. So, uh a crew sitting into space to try to find some place that could be inhabitable for earth. Uh, but instead, uh, Ben Foster wakes up. He has very little memory of what's happened to him. And there are these like crazy monsters, uh, on the ship. And there's all this like video gamey objective tasks that he has to accomplish. Like they, they have to like try to start the ship's reactor cause it's not fucking working. And so we got to go to plot a and we got to get this key and we got to do this fucking shit. Well, there's these fucking monsters that I would describe as like, like, tra- like tribesmen from like cannibal Holocaust, but blue sounds cool it wasn't it wasn't as cool as team with two made it okay it well, wasn't we're gonna keep it going hang on, um, hang on hang on hang on okay how many yeah. more you got because i, I got only got two more okay well let's save them okay because i've got some shit to rattle as well okay rattle dog right, I-, so, I was just rattling dog you weren't gonna stop e so i watched the boy finally oh okay this is brahms brahms with uh, lauren cohen it's good uh didn't give a fuck about it you didn't give a fuck about it didn't Did give you a fuck know what was coming nope but i guessed it 10 minutes in here's the thing with e when it comes to watching film, I'm just a fucking idiot. Okay? I don't see, you know, Keegan and I will be talking about film and you're like, "Oh, the blocking in that scene was so bad." And I'm like, "Who gives a fuck about the blocking?" That but that's what makes you and I, you and I. I mean, right? so much shit goes over my head like when we were watching Brightburn, you would catch it? The like in fucking Brightburn, there's that scene in the fucking trailer where he uses his fucking laser eyes to cut open that freezer door in the diner scene that you talked about? I didn't know that's what he had. This shit just goes over my head. That's crazy, though. But here's the thing. So I, I almost feel like I get to enjoy shit like Room I agree. of the World. I agree. Whereas you're going to watch Room of the World and you're like, Oh my God. Did you see where the writing did dash?" And oh God, I just turned it off because it was fucking Mick G. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that's great. And I'm glad that you feel that way because, uh, I think that's what makes us a great yin and yang. I really do because I feel like you're more about – this is what, this is what perplexes me. So we're going to go back to this. We're not going to talk. Because I like Pacific – because I love Pacific Rim But Riders. this is what perplexes you know what, me about you not liking – You know what, motherfucker? Godzilla, Godzilla King you know of what? Monsters. I because gave its Pacific Rim – It's too stupid, guys. It's too stupid. Three and a half. And you like fucking garbage. Box, all when really I wanted to give it a four, but I felt I can't give it the same rating as I did the first one. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, so uh Brahms, The Boy. That's what the sequel's called, right? I have Bombs, no idea. Yeah, the first one's just The Boy, and the so, new one that got pushed back. Did you see this? It got pushed back to December. Did it? Yeah, because uh, it was like supposed to come out like in a month or something, but there's been like no advertising. Yeah. It's called Brahms, The Boy 2 now. So what kind of annoyed me about this film was like everyone's like, oh, you'll never see the twist coming. You'll never see the twist coming. Now, I don't think we should reveal what the twist is. Kiss. But, you know, Guess. it's like 10 minutes in. I look at Ben. And I said, well, what it really is is this, this, and this. And he goes, don't believe that haunted fucking doll. And he looked at me and I go, I, go, I mean, that's probably what it is, right? Uh, I hope this isn't too big of a spoiler, but, Dad, do you remember The Pact? I never saw The Pact. You never saw The Pact? No. That was the motherfucker who was supposed to do Friday 13th, right? Okay. If anyone has nope. seen The Pact, they might have been spoiled on Brahms in the boy. But that was what I thought of and guess what that's what it is. So, um around that twist and around uh that like mystery, I feel like it's like a shitty movie. But I think that maybe possibly because you didn't if you don't see that coming, that might like sort of elevate the film for you, but I was kind of like, oh, "Okay, this is probably what's going on." And then so I watched the movie and I thought it was bad. Like I just thought it was fucking bad. I ate that Eclair so my house, my house. <laughs> so the boy, I, I really wasn't into it. You know, I like Bummer Lauren duh. Cohen. I think she looks great in the film. Bummer, uh, I think I, she I d- like the boy. I didn't like it though. I, I like the movie, The Boy. I got another one. Okay. Okay. Another one to rattle off. 47 meters down. We got Uncaged coming up. That's why I watched it. Same reason I watched The Boy because the sequels are Was coming. This is your first time? My first Uncaged? viewing okay. of 47 meters you, down. I liked it you're a You're a Jaws guy. I'm a shark guy. Shark Love fan. sharks. I liked it. You like Shark Week? Uh, I did when I was ten. Um, but yeah, and back when people watched cable television. But uh, I really forty seven meters. That was cool. Um, I liked it. I, I feel I don't like it, it. it didn't overstay its welcome. My concern was like the single location movie, mm-hmm. and I feel like it did a good job. And it really made me like Johannes Roberts. Like uh, he obviously did The Strangers Pray at Night, and we liked that film. And so I went back and finally saw 47 Meters Down. I think it's really well made. And this sequel, he directed as well. So I'm, like, really excited for it. It's, like, what, July 2? Yeah, it's, like, a couple weeks from now. And uh, I'm really excited for it because Johannes Roberts seems like a – Johannes Roberts is how you pronounce his name. I feel like – Johannes! (laughs) Uh, I I really think he's a good director. I think he's – I think if, like, this is the – Okay, you know how, like, everybody gets big movies now? This guy – Needs a fucking big movie. Not all these other assholes. Let me ask you this. Would you have been more stoked on Strangers 2 if you saw 47 Meters Down first? Uh, because now you're like... Probably. Johannes! <sighs> all right, now. Uh, Johannes! Uh, I got, <laughs> this is my house! My house! I can... um, My home! <laughs> Conjuring to reference. uh, I can rattle one more if you'd like. I only got two more, dots, so we're almost nearing the end of this shit. Upgrade! Thank you, Doc. Yeah. Did you just unabashedly love it? No. But I thought it was really good. What the fuck do you mean no? What problem did you have with that? I think okay. I had already seen the whole movie on Twitter. But I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. I think that Lee Winnell is brilliant. I think that uh, Logan Marshall Green is an underrated actor. Uh, I think that the camera work is amazing. I think Absolutely. that I, I really think that I feel like it's probably it's Lee Winnell's best movie. I didn't really give a shit about it, but it's not it's not because the movie's not good. I think it's a really fucking good movie. Oh, I love it. Um I just wasn't super into it and I feel like we've seen that story before. Like we have, it's called Robocop. Exactly. So I was kinda like, okay, well, we're just doing Robocop. Now, I do not want to sound like I'm shitting on it. I think it's a really, really well made movie. I think it's really good. Um, I just feel like I've seen this movie before. So um this There's is part- this is definitely a better venom. No, like you can. If you like Venom, you like it ironically. Whereas, can I, can I tell you something? Whereas Upgrade is like a genuinely good movie. I was gonna tweet. Um, I have a tweet that's too snarky, and I don't want to be a dick on Twitter. I have a tweet that goes. I'll just do it here. Um, can anyone tell me a single second of that Venom movie with Tom Hardy, other than the lobster eating? That's so funny you say that. I was gonna say the Done, lobster Eric. movie. Done. I was gonna say the lobster scene. Okay, can anyone tell me a single second of that fucking movie that everybody liked? Uh, other than the lobster eating. I don't know about liked, but just because it's in the trailer that part where he like ramps the fucking motorcycle and he like the suit grabs it back for him. Okay, so I was proven right on that. Um anyways There's Upgrade. a scene at the very end of Upgrade where uh Logan Marshall Green, the way he turns his head his body, the way he walks. I just, I want to believe Lee Wanell was like, okay, watch RoboCop Yeah. And this is how I want you to walk. I agree. And I'm, I'm glad that you like it so much. And I did like it. I just wasn't in love with it. Um, I did love the camera work. I loved Logan Marshall green, like the way he, his body moves, but like his head wouldn't, that was a lot of fun. Like where like, I can't explain on the pod, but like his, his whole like torso would move and like shoot someone, but he'd be like looking at the other way. Cause he's not wanting to do it. Yeah. Cause he's not in control. Um, All that stuff's awesome. I think it's well directed, cool movie. Uh, I just feel like I had already seen it because oh, upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. So then, by the time I saw it, it was it was my fault. It's my fault. I was too late. Uh, I did like it though, and I oh, by the way, I used your digital copy, so I watched it for free. Mm -hmm. That was upgrade. I'm glad you said that because in fucking 2019, I have finally decided to start taking advantage of my digital stuff. and goddamn, it's convenient. Today, Fuck you, I told you this like 18 years ago. I don't know how today, to use codes. Today, I don't know how to use my today, phone. Now. Today I redeemed Fast and the Furious 1 through 8. I and you a, got them all digitally. I had to put a code in for each fucking film. But it's awesome. And I can't wait to watch rewatch 5 through 8. I'm going to take them out with my mom. Okay, here's the worst part. You'll click play on one of those and watch it digitally, but you'll own the Blu-ray. Get ready for that. That's great. I don't have to bring it anywhere. I don't have to take it to my mom's house. The, okay, that's what I like it for. So I'll go to my brother's. And I'll be like, well, I've got it digitally. Yeah. And I don't right. have to bring it. But, of course, the Blu-ray is higher quality, especially the 4K. But we move on. Um, okay. Before, so I have about one to two more things. I have two. But we can talk these together. Mm-hmm. So let's do this. And then we'll wrap up. Then we'll be done. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed your journey with us so far. Um, we promised next episode will be camp slashers. So here we go. Uh, we have two more things. One is, okay. You want to get pumped on something? The twilight zone. Okay. The last episode I watched was just last night. Uh, Melissa and I watched the immigration episode. Cool. So I've completed it. How many more episodes do I have to go? The immigration episode where she gets detained. I feel like you watched it out of place though. No. Well, I mean, I'm not watching it weekly cause obviously it's over. But I've been watching it. I was... think you have two more episodes. Oh, cool. But um, anyways, the Twilight Zone reboot, right? So we, I talked this on the last episode. I had seen two to three episodes of it. And I loved it. Okay. And so I've seen the whole thing. I've seen all I'm 10 not, hours. I'm not far behind. Of the Twilight Zone. And uh, I fucking loved every second watching this shit, dude. I've had some shoulder shrugs. I, I, I agree on that. I'm not saying everything is brilliant. But I love this shit. I love sitting down for an hour and watching a new Twilight Zone episode. And I love sci-fi like this where most of it is simple choice human story things. I love it. I agree with that. Much simpler than Black Mirror, which I think it's lumped in where Black Mirror I really think is something totally different and is often overcomplicated and solely about technology where these films get to be about people. Uh, these stories are about people. Um, and, and I, I love the simplicity of these stories, but like you're saying at times, some of them don't always work cause they're a little too simple, but, uh, the perfect, I just feel like they're like, okay, so obviously, uh, political ideas, themes. I mean, these stories can be, uh, metaphors can be you know an abundance they're great backdrops sure but i almost kind of feel like they're trying to hit the nail on the head of like every topic in 2019 i agree and you know and that's fine i agree but i like give me something not so political i agree and that you want to know what my favorite episode was uh it was the comedian uh the comedian's great but so far my favorite episode has been the podcast airplane episode i like i like that one um that's like So my favorites go as, you've already seen them, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but my favorites are actually the comedian, the podcast airplane episode, and then Tyson Farmiga's episode about the men. Yes. Uh, I would, I'm 100% there with you. Uh, I want to go back to what you're saying about how you just love sitting down for an hour. Yeah. Um, uh, Me too. Like I, I want to engage with a mystery for yeah. an hour. I love I, it. I want to be presented with one thing and then thrown for a loop. Yeah. I want to try to guess with what's really going on. Yeah. So even though I haven't enjoyed every episode, uh the outcomes. Yeah. The the whole hour, I've had a blast just getting presented a story, even though maybe I didn't like that story. Yeah, yeah I, I just think that it's it's so cool that this is back I unabashedly love Jordan Peele, and while I, I know he's not like directing these, just seeing him and then knowing that he produced these, and then just I just love him, dude. I think this is awesome. Do you, you watch the spaceship one? That was the worst one. Really? Yes. Oh, I loved. it. I loved the tension of it. Um, I liked it a lot. Jordan Peele is such a huge selling point for me. Mm-hmm. Me too. Like if you're if you just told me Twilight Zone is back, I would have gone, huh? Mm-hmm. But now that you told me it's Twilight Zone with Jordan Peele narrating the episodes, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm watching it now. Yeah, and like I said, I want to be clear. I don't think these are like, I, you know, okay. For instance, we're watching this Taisa Farmiga, um, which I said we have a lot of Farmiga to talk about on this. Um, her her episode with, uh, I really, I don't know how to reveal it because I don't want to. I don't want to spoil that episode. So these asteroids come to the Earth, uh, fall to the Earth. Um and they start growing people into plants. Ha <laughs> ha! As a joke, creep show. Um, uh, these asteroids fall to Earth and it makes men lose their inhibitions. Yeah, they go insane. So, um, and I guess the reason I have to describe this episode is because you know my preference is to be subtle. You know my preference is to, um, okay, it's called Us. Okay, so Us or Get Out, which Get Out actually isn't that subtle. But Us is a film that is about a million things, but on the surface isn't. And that's my favorite kind of storytelling. Same as uh, Annihilation. Annihilation is about self-destruction but at its core. But the film never is like, that's what we're saying. So my preference is for metaphors to be subtle and for you to have to figure them out. And the story works on its own. Where like this episode that I liked is one of my favorite episodes um, they literally say like several times, they like say the theme of the, of the show. Like they're, they're, they're exclaiming the themes of the episode and they're saying them out loud. Right. And as narration. Exactly. And I'm kind of like, we we know, we know. like you're, this is a visual medium. And the most important thing to me is visual storytelling. And so you're showing us that men are, are doing bad things. You don't need to tell us men are doing bad things. We can see it. Um, So I get frustrated by that. But I still like um, – I know that they're – so What I, I kind of feel like they're making them for like a wider audience. And so I really like these. I do wish they were more subtle. I wish they were more uh, – I wish we, we weren't exclaiming the theme of the fucking episode 30 times in the episode. That shit bothers me. But aside from that, like you said, just going through a mystery, trying to figure it out, guessing with it, um, I just think it's it's awesome. I love that this type of show is back. And, again, you could say, oh, like Black Mirror or other anthologies. And I just don't think – I love the simplicity of these episodes. I like it so much that I want to start watching, like, the black and white Have you never rock watched starling it? shit. I've seen, like, like the most popular episodes, like two or three of yeah. those. Have you uh, seen Time Enough at Last? My favorite episode. Time Enough at Last. is uh, Tell me about it. Uh, or no. A guy wants to read but never has enough time to read. I have seen that one. That that to me, I mean, clearly that's a popular one. So I'm not saying it's like a gem. But uh, that to me is the Twilight Zone and is to me why I love stuff like that. Where it's, it's, it's this large idea but about something very small, um, which there, is time. Uh, there's this skateboard company called Fancy Lad. And there's this guy who skates for him. Uh, named jesse james and he's like a fucking idiot like that's his thing okay like he'll skate in like clown shoes and so he had a part a few years ago in in a video that they put out and it was cut with scenes of this clown and i was like what the fuck is this from so i googled that dialogue and it was from an episode of uh the twilight Zone. yeah nice and it's about um these like five strangers stuck in a room And so I watched that episode just because of this uh, skate park. And so that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I I guess I'll probably regurgitate the same thoughts. uh, So I'll I'll probably stop. But um, I just think this is awesome. Uh, I think that if you don't care about... um, How do I put this? Okay. If an episode about a child being elected president... um, That was a real frustrating episode for me. If that doesn't sound... Uh, like, your bag or, like, align with what you probably think. Uh, Probably don't watch The Twilight Zone, uh, the new one. I will say this. I love how each episode has, like, a recognizable, like, actor or actress. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and I, I thought they were well-directed, well-shot. I mean, it feels like new Twilight Zone to me. Like I said, there's a lot of soft focus. There's a lot of um big, ominous shots where it's, like, the corner of a room, and then um it feels... I don't know. and it's, it's cool. I felt like it had its own identity, but they're all directed by different people. I just thought this was awesome, dude. Have I really, really liked it. Two? Yeah, it's screenlit. It's already, it's already being made. It um, I think Simon Kinberg is kind of a hack, and I don't know how he did this, but uh, I love Jordan Peele. I'm on board. I like it a lot. So, okay, Eric, give me your... Let, let, here we go. Let me tell you what we have left. So we have what we do in the shadows. We have, you can go into the mic, Doc. This is going to be on the pot, Okay. Okay. So we will be doing the shadows. Uh, and then I also, I rewatched Us and wanted to, to touch on it. And then I'm done. Okay. So what do you I want to do, da? Us as well. Uh, let's do, I mean, I got two films myself. Do, you, I do to your two films because I have one more that I haven't told you. Okay. Uh, it I just got two left. Uh, and one of them is the 2004 film Dead Birds. Have you heard of this fucking movie, Doc? I have heard of it. Uh, this was written by Simon Barrett. It is a horror Western about a group of outlaws. Cool cast too, uh Henry Thomas and Michael Shannon are in this. I know how much you like Michael Shannon, but who doesn't like Michael Shannon? Yeah, good point. Um, Everyone watch Take Shelter. They rob a bank. It goes sideways, and they hide out in a haunted plantation house, which sounds amazing. And I thought it was boring, this book okay okay good start and uh the last film that i've got to talk for this fucking episode is i finally saw escape room oh nice i i haven't watched it yet it's fun cool. i really like it because it's basically escape room or jigsaw uh escape room well which one do you like more oh new jigsaw or escape room oh that's a that's a really tough question yeah well and anytime I w- and i wasn't prepared uh to answer but off the top of my head i'm gonna say escape room Ooh. um Escape room is basically like Saw, yeah, but more of a puzzle element. Because I feel like Probably it's, more like Saw 2. Because Saw f- 2 is very puzzle driven. Right. Whereas, that's what I was just going to say. You know, in Saw, it's like, okay, you know... They know what they have to do. Sure. It's, it's a matter of are they willing to do it. Saw Whereas, 2 kind of had that like puzzle mode. Yeah. Right. Whereas in escape room, it's like clues they have to look for. Sure. They have to work together. And ultimately, each room is trying to kill them. Yeah. Um, this was like... And this was like a January release, right? Yeah. It was we didn't fl- get it. Otherwise, we would have saw it. Uh, yeah, I just rented it when it finally came out. Yeah. Uh, to rent. Um, I liked it a lot. And I would say be sure to check it out. Nice. Uh, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch... So, on my list is uh, The Prodigy and Escape Room. Uh, the Prodigy, I would say watch first. I'm going to. Um, so, I have one more film and then a couple final things here and then we'll get out of here. Uh, so, I finally saw The Ranger. Oh, good. Yeah. So... Really liked it. Uh, Wasn't in love with it. Wasn't quite as in love with it with I think you were. Mm-hmm. But I thought, it, I think it's awesome. Like, th- it's a cool movie. And that, by the way, the guy that plays the ranger like commented on our, uh, no, he tweeted us, I think. Shane's, Shane said he met him and that he was really nice. Yeah, that was awesome. It sounds yeah. like he's like a big promoter of himself, which I'm saying is, is a good thing. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, like, he tweeted us and I was like, thanks, cool squad. And I was like, fuck, that's awesome. All right. Uh, what a nice, you know, cool thing to do. So. Um, the Ranger. You know, we Eric's talked a lot about it. Um, it's about a park ranger slasher. Um, I kind of wanted it to get crazier and kind of wanted it to. Um, did you like the humor? I did. Yeah. But I kind of, I was kind of frustrated with it. Like I wanted it to get bigger and crazier or like more slashery. And I feel like it's, you sold it as like a slasher slasher. You don't think it is? Ultimately, I don't know. I don't really feel like it was, it didn't feel like a slasher to me. You know what threw me for a loop? was that gay couple I oh feel, yeah i feel like i'd never seen that in a movie yeah it so was, that pretty was sick. super like refreshing to see yeah uh i feel like there was a lot of that in uh twilight zone yes i don't remember um but yeah so the ranger i don't really have a lot to say i really liked it i was hoping to like unabashedly love it i i ultimately didn't but i liked it i thought it was cool um you know, again, that's a great film to just click play on Shutter. Like, you're going to enjoy your sit during that. But uh, I did not, like, ultimately love it. But that guy is fucking sick for saying hi to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, What We Do in the Shadows? Yes. Okay. So, we're bringing this up because we've already talked about it. But this is, it's now over. The first season's over. And in it's been several renewed. Several weeks. Yes. Yep. And, uh, man, what a blast. Yeah. Awesome fucking show. What was insane was the consistency each episode was. Yeah. It was like each episode was good. Each episode was funny. It wasn't like "Uh gizmo. was a little lackluster. No, each episode was like, uh, each one banged. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I really liked it. Um, Right. (laughs) I think we, I don't remember when we recorded, but number one, I don't know if we talked about the Baron episode, which we'll just say that there's an old fucked up vampire uh, and he ends up wearing a, a baseball hat backwards and, like, rapping karaoke. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. I was, like, dying with yeah. that episode. Oh, I was dead. Yeah. Uh, I actually think that was the best episode of the, of the series. And then um, this... we Last time we recorded was before there was a big cameo episode. And and I, I got to say, I almost felt like the show had come full circle. There. I, yeah, I almost feel like... I'm like, okay, well... Um, I guess we probably shouldn't spoil it. But uh, certain... People show up in that episode that we meet new vampires as well as well as old vampires. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I it was the most exciting to see, uh and I love how matter of fact they integrated like those cameos. Like they're just like, oh yeah, there's this person. You're like, holy shit, right? Um, so I liked that, but uh, ultimately, like I said, I kind of feel like that to me was like the end of the series almost, which I know sounds weird, but to me, I was kind of like, well, I mean, no, I agree with you. Like I can't, I, that, I can't feel like exp- that should have been the season finale. I agree. And then the the finale I thought, again, was funny, but I was like, oh, okay. And then it was over. I'm like, oh shit, now we have to wait for the next season. Yeah. Um, I almost want to say I like it more than the movie. I definitely don't like it more than the movie. Mm-hmm. But I really like it. Um, so anyways, what we do in the show is if you're not watching that show, buy it on iTunes, buy it on Xbox, buy it on Vudu, whatever you need to do to watch it. Um, it's on FX. It's fucking awesome. Uh, I don't think it's better than the movie. I think those guys are fucking brilliant. Um, and I think... They're just amazing. So I love that movie. Um, I love Peter. I love Nick. Uh, they're not in this series. So. It was Peter. Peter got him. Like I said, my favorite character is the girl vampire. I think she's fucking hilarious. Uh, so what we do in the shadows? TV show. Watch it. One more thing and then we will depart. Okay. Which is just simply us. Mm-hmm. You rewatch it as well? By far and away the best horror film of 2019 as of June... 26th uh tell them it's july 4th because this isn't coming out for a while no i'm joking i'm joking well well i'm not that's when we recorded yeah um you rewatched it i did i showed my mom yeah so i showed it to uh, my brother and his wife ben and sabra and uh you know it's that thing right so we talk about this a lot i say this a lot did i really like it that much was it really that good maybe i was wrong you know how you feel like that Mm because you're like no way it's that good um no, it's that fucking good. I mean, it's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're to, obviously, we don't have to, like, get into it. But I just really think uh, I almost feel off-put by how good it is. I almost am like, offended how good it is. And I almost feel off-put, like, how good Jordan Peele is. Like, I cannot believe on um, the special features for us. Uh, Jordan Peele said, yeah, so you, I won't be leaving horror for a while. And I was like, please, please make more movies. Like, just make more horror movies, Jordan. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, so, and it's a little weird because Get Out is so good. But um, this is better. Us is better. I like Us more than Get Out. Uh, Eric, do you have any fucking thing to say or are you just done? Uh, I'm just done. But uh, I'm standing by how good Us is. Yeah, it's amazing. What would your mom think? Uh, she really liked it as well. All right. She scares easy. She thought it was too scary, but she said she liked it. She thought it was scary. Oh yeah. Hmm. Um, she said it was too intense for her. Oh, one, one more question because we probably won't talk us until our final episode of the year. Uh, how did it work for you knowing the twists and also, um, did you give a shit about the logic? Cause you become a big logic guy. I did. Um, I was just afraid like the second time I watched it. Uh, so I watched it and I read like everybody's like fucking think pieces about it. Yeah. And I was just afraid that a lot of it went over my head. And then watching it a second time, I feel like it didn't. I feel like I caught uh, the majority of the film. Um, but I think it works for me because it's presented as this very small idea that just Gross. grows to yeah. gigantic proportions. Yeah. I agree. And I also just think, you know, like I've said in the past, like um, anybody with the logic issues, I just kind of feel like, um, like the film, I don't feel is that literal by the end of it. I think the film is sort of reaching for more metaphorical aspirations than just um, like this twist is, or this thing that's I'm showing you is like a real thing that really happened in our reality. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like it's more like, um, storytelling and I think it, it works for me and I think it's brilliant I fucking think Us is the best movie of the year and who knew you know like Pet Cemetery remake coming out after it um, you know just so many things uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters coming out you know all these movies that I thought were going to be my favorite movies of the year and turns out it's Jordan Peele's fucking Us because it's absolutely brilliant and I unabashedly love that film so uh, I think that's probably it Forever. We're never doing another podcast. Well, or at least not for another two months. Yeah, for another two months. No, so like we've said, our next episode should be uh, top camp slashers. Yes. Or wood slashers. Just be prepared for like kind of a slasher list episode (laughs) uh, because we might have our own definitions. Tell us what you think a a camp slasher is. Yeah, Eric's already rewatched like 200 of them. I've got a list, which is kind of cool. Like I guess we could like record tomorrow. I wouldn't want to because – i'm tired of this shit <laughs> um but like yeah i already have my list ready for the Camp slasher episode yeah i don't so that'll be fun yeah. it was funny because uh real quick and i'll probably tell a story again but no one's listening by this point anyway uh shout out to everybody that is uh i remember like you text me you're like dog we should do a camp slasher's episode i was like yeah i mean we could we already did a slasher episode and you're like when I was <laughs> like you don't remember right, right? fucking recording our camp, our uh slashers episode we did non-franchise slashers. we did but you didn't even remember that we did that right i right. mean you had to remind me that it. Was so it still stands yeah but my idea is kids are in the woods and they're engaging in like sport related activities as well as like doing uh controlled substances okay that's my idea one more question okay and are we including friday uh, I do have a Friday on my list. Ooh, little tease, uh, <laughs> little tease for three months from now, eight months from now. Um, Because, you know, obviously Friday the 13th is a camp slasher, right? Yes. And so I decided to include uh, Friday the 13th that I like. Awesome. And with that, that is the end of this episode of the podcast. I do want to say I apologize for the wait. I was getting a new job and just busy. Uh, E-Dog just wants to say, I'm on drugs! I'm all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Feel free to congratulate me on Twitter for getting a new job, by the way. Uh, Fuck you, Doc. I'm just kidding, Doc. Doc, tell us where you can find us and then we can leave. Uh you can find us at Facebook, Instagram, your mom's house, uh, Twitter, at Ghoul Squad. You can get a shirt. It's Ghoul Squad FM Doc. Come on. At Come on, come on. <laughs> That's how long it's been. Can't even Fuck you, Doc. I, I can't even fucking remember our handle. And you can also go to tpublic.com, search Goal Squad, and buy a shirt. Doc. That works. Yeah. So at Goal Squad FM, if you're going, where, go- where can we find you, Doc? Because here, here's the thing, Eric doesn't want to do the podcast. I'm joking, but he likes the juice. If you want to, if you, where can I we only, find you, Doc? If you can only look for one place, look for us on Instagram. I, I, thought, I feel like I that's thought, why we're most engaged. I, thought, I thought you were going to say if you if you can only find one place to follow us, it's at Eric Cruz one three eight. No. <laughs> Uh, you can find eDog at uh, my Twitter handle is at Cruz 138 Keegan is at Keeksta. Keeksta, that's right. Mm-hmm. Where you can see me uh, tweet about Dr. Pepper and skateboarding. Yes. And one more thing I forgot to mention if you've heard, uh, if this audio is bad, it's because we turned a fan on because we're hot as fuck. Mm. And with that, we're done. Good we'll night. see you guys on the next episode. Tweet us, Facebook us, tell us fuck you for taking so long. And we'll be back hopefully next month. With another episode of the fucking ghouls cloud podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks, see you later.